on the SNS radio network. And if you ain't down with that, I got two words for you. Suck it. Hey, this is Badass Billy Gunn. My name is Armando Alejandro Estrada. <laughs> hey, it's Rotor Animal. <laughs> what a rush. Yo, monkeys, it's me, PPP. The king of Bada Bing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time, three-time, three-time world champion. And you, well, you monkey, stay tuned or you will feel bang. I am the genius of a Galarian renowned Lanny Poppins. Well, what's up all you stars and stars? This is Mariette. This is Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michael, Mr. Hall of Fame 2011 on SNS Radio Network. See ya! And I wouldn't want to be here. Turn it up, turn it up, the radio. I need the music. Give you some more. Turn up, the radio. I want to feel it. Got to give me some more. The world is listening. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. You are now jacked in to the virtual matrix. Please stand by for all the latest in professional wrestling, video gaming, movies, and entertainment with Chris Kelly of HeadlocksToHeadlines.com and the latest in video gaming with the sensational sequel. What? Yes, he's back. And here is your host. The Force is strong with you. Henceforth, you shall be known. Money on the mic, JJ Sexy. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth.
what a day, what a day if you are a WWE employee who found yourself on the unemployment line today. It's a bad day for them. Uh, we had a couple of deaths wrestling related today, so it's just a bad day all the way around. I want to give my condolences to the families of both uh, former OVW champion Rod Steele and, of course, indie promoter JT Lightning, who both uh, unfortunately passed away. We have another Black Friday. We have wrestling deaths. We have four or five talents from the WWE released. How could I start the show any other way than to say it's a bad day? And by the way, I hate that song by Daniel Pewter, but I just had to convey how bad a day it was today. Once again, welcome to Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. We've got a big show for you tonight. Uh, we will be joined later on in the broadcast by Max and Jeremy, formerly Generation Me. I believe it's Matt and Nick. They are now known, of course, as the Young Bucks. They're going to be joining us at the, uh, the top of the hour to talk about what's going on with them and the problems they had in TNA Wrestling. We're also going to be recapping SmackDown. I'm going to bring in Crelly aboard here in a few minutes to help me recap SmackDown for tonight. And we're going to be talking the news of the week. Now, I know Sean is running late. He should be here hopefully within the second hour so that we can get into some video game talk. But there's something else that I want to talk about other than video games tonight. You know, I don't read comic books anymore. I don't collect them. But I used to. Maybe it's me, and I, I don't want to come across racist, so nobody think that. But I have a problem with taking an established character, whether it's a movie character, whether it's from a comic book, and changing the ethnicities of a character. That's what you make characters for. You bring in new characters. But we're going to talk about that a little later on in the program. With that being said, let's go ahead and get down to business and talk a little bit of SmackDown right here on Unplugged. We start things off tonight. I guess I'll go ahead and bring in my official uh, co-recapper of SmackDown. You know him, uh, the official website owner and editor over at headlocks2headlines.com, Chris Kelly. What's going on? Uh, man, you know, it's been a good day. And like you say, I'm here to have, have up with SmackDown, which, which by the way was a great show. So let's jump straight into the SmackDown recap. You know what's funny? I got a chance to... <laughs> Over the week, as soon as Tuesday happened and they taped SmackDown, so many people were saying, oh, I read the SmackDown spoilers. What a shitty show. Oh, 
And I was expecting going into this tonight to watch a, a really shitty show. And, and i got to be quite honest, I, I didn't think it was a shitty show. Well, yeah, that's, that is the problem with spoilers. It's quite hard to, to tell a story from writing. You, you, you have to see how it portrays to TV. And I agree with you. People were like, oh, it's crap. But I enjoyed it. So it started, it started. So I tell you what, we, we start things off with our first match of the night. We have Sheamus, who's now a fan favorite, if you didn't know, taking on the great Kali, who was attended by Jinder Mahal. Um, I wouldn't say this is a, a fantastic match by any means because you've got the great Kali. I think Sheamus did a really good job of uh, babyface bumping, trying to work that big man style against the great Kali. But let's face it, I mean, Kali did not look very good in this match. Sheamus did his best to carry Kali. But at the end of the day, I mean, unfortunately for Sheamus, this this couldn't be considered a five-star match. And, well, you can't blame him, but you, you do got to look at the other guy in the in the ring with him. And, you know, for what it's worth, at the end, we, we see Sheamus get overpowered. Uh, you know, Kali hits the vice grip, almost puts Sheamus out, and then Sheamus powers out, hits a bro kick, and uh, picks up the win. So Sheamus wins by pinfall. Again, not one of Sheamus's better matches, but you can't really blame Sheamus for that. And from a whole uh, storyline uh, story standpoint, he just beat the biggest guy on SmackDown. So that's building exactly. him towards being a monster. Exactly. I mean, and that's and that's the cool thing about this the Sheamus uh, face turn is you know they're trying to make him just that monster baby face that overcomes the odds. I mean, he's a big guy anyway. I liked him as a heel, but I'm starting to dig babyface Sheamus. He reminds me, and I've said this a lot. He reminds me a lot of Razor Ramon, and yeah. it's not just because of the you know the the finish. You know his his outsider's edge. Uh, what's he call it? The Celtic cross. No, is that what they call it? The Celtic cross. Yeah, Pale Justice, good. Celtic cross, whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, he just he reminds me so much of Razor because he's that guy that you know. He's such a throwback to old school wrestling. Yes, and he demands presence. Because he's that big, and he stands out just just the, the way he looks. Exactly. And the and the way and and him being a good wrestler helps him be a fantastic babyface. So let's see how this leads down the line to Mark Henry versus Seamus. I think at the pay per view, now, which I think will be a good match. Our next match of the night gives us AJ versus Natalia. That's right. We had a divas match. Uh, you know, the match starts up. The girls smile. They shake hands. Uh, of course, those of you who have been watching SmackDown for a while know that Natty has been managing AJ Lee uh, in tag team matches. And so you really thought this was going to be a uh, a respects kind of thing. But in the end, Natty ends up having a decent match with uh, with AJ, rolls her up into the uh, the sharpshooter and gets a submission victory. After that, she picks up him. Well, actually, after that, she attacks AJ, who's on her uh, on her back, uh, suplexes her to the floor, picks up a microphone, and tells AJ uh, and the rest of the diva roster that the days of the perky, cute girls are over. And she's with Beth Phoenix on this one. So now we have Natty and Beth Phoenix solidifying heel turns. Almost makes me wonder if they're going to have almost like a, uh, and I talked to Harmony about this the other night, almost like another um, lay cool stable with with the two heel chicks and i think that natty and beth could really pull that off and have a little fun just tormenting the rest of the diva roster i'm thinking if we go towards they get like literally the whole diva roster will be split between the perky cute ones and the ones who can wrestle 
it's probably lead down to Survivor Series, where you have a Divas elimination tag, be about 10, 5 minutes long, the heels who can wrestle, wrestle the perky baby faces. Which is yeah. a shame that, that they released Gail Kim because she could have been with Natty and Beth Phoenix. Oh, absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. Now, next up, we have what I would have to consider match of the fucking night. Indeed. You know, Tyson Kidd, uh, Daniel Bryan, just amazing, amazing match. Uh, you, you know what I liked about this match? The fact that Tyson Kidd knows how to sell moves. You know, that yeah, drop I mean, kick, that drop kick that Daniel Bryan delivered, that front drop kick from the top. Tyson Kidd made it a point to, to sell it to where he literally flipped over after the kick and made it look beautiful. I mean, these guys in the ring is poetry in motion. Well, yeah, I mean, these guys are what the is what teenage exodus should be like. They fly around the ring, but they sell. I agree. And like I say, match of the night, great match. And also, Daniel Bryan had brand new theme music. I have no idea what it was. But he got rid of the old song. Which oh, I did he? I, I didn't notice that. Yes. He got rid of the da 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 And it's, it, it was quite like low down, but yeah, he had brand new music. At one point, uh, well, actually to finish off the, uh, the match, Daniel Bryan uh, basically locks in a, a guillotine and gets the submission on Tyson Kidd. But man, what a fantastic match. Watching this match, it really made me miss the fact that WCW had a cruiserweight division. Um, you know, I miss the fact there's no lightweight division in the WWE. I mean, can we not maybe bring that title back? You know, I mean, you've got enough guys right now to, to solidify having that belt. Guys like Justin Gabriel, guys like Daniel Bryan, Tyson Kidd, Trent Beretta. Uh, just, there's so many talented guys on this roster. Sin Cara, who we saw a video package for tonight. He's coming back next week. Uh, there's just there's so many guys under that 200 uh, you know, and 30-pound mark that you could put in this division and actually have stuff. Guys like Evan Bourne, absolutely, Anthony. Uh, just And make it and make it by branded so it can go between both brands. Yeah, Yoshitatsu is another one that comes to mind. This, this would be a fantastic idea. Why is this not being implemented? I don't think that we kind of like small guys. They want to go for the, you know, the big jacked-up guys. But I agree with you. I think we do need a small division because not all the small guys can wrestle in the big division. Well, so we yeah, and, and, and I would agree with that point. But think about this, though, too, Crelly. Uh, when they sit there and say, well, I, you know, I, we got rid of this division because we don't think it's a draw. WCW did not just beat WWF in the ratings based on the NWO angle. Right. It was also based on the fact that they had the best cruiserweights in the world and some of the best action in the ring. And I just I can't understand why, why they fail to realize that. I'm guessing they're thinking that they don't really have enough time on TV unless they turn superstars into a cruiserweight match. Uh, Perhaps. Perhaps. Which could work out. Hey, I, you know what? I'd be, all, I, I'd be fine with taking a show like Superstars and having the cruiserweight belt as your main belt on that show. You know, if it was a cruiserweight show where I could watch a title match every week, I'd watch it every damn week. And hell, why not have that also be a title that can change hands at live events? Because it's very rare that you see a total change hand at a live event. So have that belt defended everywhere. TV and live events. It will make it much more fun. I agree with you, man. So next up, we have uh, Zack Ryder coming in for his State of the Union address. Welcome, welcome to Zack Down, as he says. Uh, the ratings are now through the roof because Triple H made him the assistant host. He then gets interrupted, of course, by uh, the Intercontinental Champion, Ezekiel Jackson. Zeke says, what's up? 
He's not here to beat him up because of the handicap match from last week. He just wants to know why it happened. Zeke says that he feels that he abused his power. And, of course, Zack Ryder looks confused. They're then joined, of course, by Dusty Rhodes. Or, excuse me, Cody Rhodes, not Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> if you will. And Ted DiBiase, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't understand what the problem is here, baby. No, they're joined by Cody and, and, uh, and Ted Jr. Cody says that Zeke will lose the IC title and Cody will resurrect its image just like he did Ted. Zeke says that Ted needs to wake up because he's being used by Cody Rhodes. And Cody says that Ted, in fact, wants to be with him. The man love Ted. Pretty much. It's, it's kind of back. So uh, basically what we have here, this ends up becoming a, uh, a match between Zack Ryder and Ezekiel Jackson, courtesy of Teddy Long, who says he doesn't care about doing another handicap match or having Ted or Cody face Ezekiel Jackson again. Basically, he gives the match to, uh, to Zack, and, uh, well, <laughs> Ted and Cody are banned from ringside. Basically a four-minute squash match. Squash. And yet, and yet the fans were cheering for Zack Ryder throughout that match. And I know people were like questioning if Zack Ryder's over with the fans. He is now over with the with because bear in mind there are two different fans. There are the internet fans and the, and the like normal fans. And I now think that he's over with both set of fans. So it'd be interesting to see what what the WWE do with this character because they could they could easily bury him or they could or they could easily make him a big star on SmackDown. Well, have you noticed that he's had one match? On TV, that he actually won. That was the one against Michael Cole on Raw. And every match yeah. Zack Ryder has been on on TV, whether it was SmackDown or Raw, he's lost every one of them. Yes. I'm... So the streak ended at one. <laughs> yeah, but in theory, he's only lost to champions. Well, true that, I guess. To the tag team and now the, the IC champion. So he could claim that he's, that he's undefeated against unchampions. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, next match of the night, we actually see Mark Henry versus... Vladimir Kozlov, we actually got to see the last official match for Vladimir Kozlov tonight on SmackDown. Sad. And they basically broke his leg. Yeah. That's a good bye present. Yeah, they, they broke his leg courtesy of, uh, of big Mark Henry, who continues that, uh, that domination of his opponents week after week, injuring them, sending them away. You'd almost would have thought it would have been better for them to give Mark Henry the rub at Money in the Bank when, uh, you know, Sheamus basically power bombs Sinkar onto the ladder and put him out, right? Would have almost fit better to have Mark Henry in that role as, as opposed to uh, a guy like Sheamus who now is, you know, arguably one of the top faces in the company. Yeah, that's going to be a bit hard to explain when, they come, when they've been making Sinkar. Sinkar was killed by Sheamus, who's now a face. Yep. Plot holes. Ah. Uh, I mean, but the, the only thought to that is when, do you, when was the last time you saw Mark Henry to do a power bomb? It would have had to be a world stronger slam. Off, off the side through the ladder. Well, he's a big guy. He could do a powerbomb. It's not like, you know, he couldn't do it. So, just saying. I just, sometimes I wonder the creative direction, but we won't go into that topic right now. Next up, we have the uh, World Tag Team Champions, David Otunga, Michael McGillicuddy, and JTG. <laughs> Who knew? JTG he still has a job on, in this company on the roster. They took on Trent Beretta. And Jimmy and Jay, the Usos, in a six-man I'm, tag. I'm guessing from the whole of this, I'm guessing that the Usos will probably win the tag titles at SummerSlam. Uh, you know to. what? I'm hoping that they either win at SummerSlam or shortly thereafter because, again, they're one of the only legit tag teams in the WWE right now. 
that aren't just two mid-card guys put together? I think they are literally the only tag team in WWE that are actual tag team. True that. Because it seems like like Hawkins and Mario broken up, Cordell and Santino now broken up. Um, any more tag teams that you think of? Well, let me see. Yeah, they broke up Kozlov and Santino, and now they've got Zack Ryder and Santino tagging together. So, go figure. On, no on one show, on one show on Raw, Zack Ryder comes across as a face. On the show on SmackDown, he almost comes across as a heel. So, uh, there's just it's it's very inconsistent the way they've got him booked right now. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what they want to do with him. They're like, yes, he's over, but the. the you can't have him be a world champion. No one would take him seriously as a world champion. But you need to have him on TV because the fans are behind him. Fans are behind him. He calls money. His shirt selling at live events. He's out. He's out selling the rock for t-shirts. For them, just by having him on the show, they get money. Win, lose, or draw. Right. But for uh, them, it's a win-win. So in the end, here in this six-man tag, we basically have uh, Beretta jumping off the top rope, missing McGillicuddy, Otunga tagging in. They hit their double-team finisher, which now reminds me a lot of the old Demolition finisher. Mm-hmm. So they, they've apparently stolen Demolition's old move. Oh, my God. They stole the move. Ah, um, People thanks, on the Internet um, are going thankfully, crazy. De- thankfully, uh, Demolition aren't on Twitter, so they can't complain about it. True that. So David Otunga, Michael McGillicuddy, and JTG go over Trent Beretta and the Usos via the uh, elbow drop finisher of demolition which i don't remember what it was called but <sighs> wow otunga and mcgillicuddy I, I still can't believe they're tag team champions yep i mean in the, the nexus is now dead so in theory they have no reason to be together yeah but true that now they did time. they did show a video package tonight of justin gabriel and it seems to me like they're really wanting to give him a, a big baby face push what i'm curious about is did they give him new music too because on raw this past week it seemed to me that Otunga and McGillicuddy came out to Justin Gabriel's music. Same, yeah, same with last week on SmackDown. They had the same music. I'm so confused. I'm so. What happened to the days when Jim Johnson, the guy who used to do the music for every superstar or every tag team in the WWE, made it distinguishable between theme songs? Like, oh... You hear Shawn Michaels' theme. You knew it instantly. Oh, it's Bret Hart's theme. I know it now. You know, I mean, nowadays you've got guys with the same damn music that are on different shows with maybe one beat of the tune different than the other. It just it makes no sense to me. I'm so lost. I'm so confused. Yeah, I never lost art of wrestling. Theme music. <sighs> so our main event pits Randy Orton and John Morrison taking on R-Truth and Christian, the World Heavyweight Champion. This was a pretty good tag team match back and forth. Not a lot to bitch about. I, I, I really thought that John Morrison oversold shit, flopping around like a fish. Maybe just maybe he's pissed off. I, I guess, you know, I, I mean, he wasn't pissed off then because obviously Molina was still with the company. But, you know, I, part of me wishes that with Molina now being released from the company, that this will make John Morrison step it up. But after reading what he wrote in regards to Molina, it makes me wonder if he's going to be next. And it's a shame because well, I like Morrison. I really do. I've been supporting this guy. I, I've pegged him as the Royal Rumble winner for the last three fucking years. But if you look how he's been booked in t- since his return, he had lost all three matches. 
pretty much. That's from, I mean, yes, he today he didn't get pinned, but he was still on the losing team. And that's not a good way to bring back someone back from an injury, three straight losses. Usually, they get a winning streak. So let's see what goes down. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see him quit uh, when Jerry Lawler quit to, because they fired the cat. You know what, though? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, he should take a, a page out of Triple H's book. Maybe he should take his punishment like a man, step up, and then later on, once he's taken it like a man, he'll get the push of a lifetime, just like they did with Triple H. Who knows? Yeah, but I think to compare Hunter to um, John Morrison would be kind of hard because they're two, two different styles. I, I'm not talking about the style aspect of it. You, you understand what I'm saying? Hunter yeah. Hearst Helmsley took the brunt of the punishment simply because of the curtain call thing that happened at Madison Square Garden with the click. And because Sean was the champion and because X-Pac left and because Hall and Nash left, he was left holding the bag. And for about six months, he was literally buried. He jobbed every week on TV and he paid his fucking dues. And he never bitched about it. And then he was right. pushed into an intercontinental championship. And then from there, his career blossomed. I'm saying but the same thing could happen to John Morrison. I'm not talking about the same moves. I'm not talking about the same styles in the ring. I'm just talking about legitimately take your punishment like a man, learn from your mistakes, and rise. But the difference between now and then is wrestlers can go on Twitter and bitch about it and get in, 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 in even more trouble. Well, and but if, then Hunt, Hunter couldn't. If that's what he wants to do, if he wants to take that road and get fired and go to TNA, then more power to him. They sure as hell won't know what to do with him either. They will probably just throw him in the exhibition and give him the exhibition title because he, that's his kind of style of wrestling. We'll see. But uh, in the end in this match, basically Christian gets the pin do, via the kill switch over Randy Orton. So your world heavyweight champion walks away with the victory. So and, if and I, it was pretty good. I mean, not not about people were making it on on uh, Twitter. Right. Great show. Great wrestling show. No, I hear you. So if I had to give the show a grade tonight, I'd give it a B. I thought it was a decent show. I thought that the storylines are progressing well going towards SummerSlam. We're starting to see, uh, you know, a good match card getting set to go. So, again, my grade for tonight, a B. Yeah, I'll give it a B as well. But on that note, let's go ahead and jump straight to the phone lines sponsored by HeadlocksToHeadlines.com. And I believe joining us on the line, we have uh, the former members of Generation Me, ladies and gentlemen, the Young Bucks on the phone. What's going on, guys? How's it going, man? Uh, this is uh, Nick from the Young Bucks. Uh, I don't know if Matt's on the phone yet or not, but I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. Just yeah. chilling, watching a little SmackDown, you know, getting our wrestling groove going on. Cool. How was the show? I, I didn't catch it. Uh, it's a pretty good show. I mean, a lot of wrestling tonight. Uh, several uh, matches. So that, yeah, that, that doesn't happen that often nowadays. So when it does, then it's good. Uh, it seems like they're on on that momentum swing now that uh, now that things are you know <laughs> supposedly different. It seems like they're getting a little more wrestling heavy. They've always been more wrestling heavy, per se, on SmackDown than than say a show like Raw. I see. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Well, it's good to to be on. Uh, we uh, we appreciate you guys having us uh, on live. Uh, You're welcome. Had a problem. So let me go ahead and Matt? throw let me let me throw out some introductions real quick. I'm JJ, okay. uh, the host of the show, and of course I'm being joined by the guy that uh, that's probably annoyed you to death to book the interview. A guy named Chris <laughs> Kelly. Hey man. 
How you guys doing? It's nice to meet you uh, via radio uh, live, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. So what is, I, I know we're waiting on your brother, but what is in store for the Young Bucks now? Uh, man, we got a, a ton of stuff uh, getting lined up right now. We're in talks with uh, a bunch of companies. I don't want to really spoil anything or whatnot because uh, I want the fans to be excited for what we do next. But, yeah, we got a lot of stuff. Uh, we got stuff uh, in the U.K. pretty much planned, uh, booked already. We get, we're talking to promoters out in Japan, maybe uh, go back to Japan for a little bit. And uh, definitely stuff in the U.S. But right now uh, we got Chikara coming up uh, at the end of the month, which should be really fun because we haven't been there in quite a bit. But, yeah, we got some exciting stuff, and uh, I think uh, Young Bucks fans should be excited for this time because we're, uh, we're back and uh, we're ready to wrestle again. Absolutely. Now, I want to like, kind of go straight to the point. Of course, you guys were just in TNA, uh, Impact Wrestling, whatever they're called nowadays, and you were just on the last pay-per-view. Uh, kind of what led to you leaving that company? There was, uh, there was many uh, different situations that... Uh, pretty much uh, made us uh, decide uh, the ultimate factor was pretty much we weren't being used as much as we uh, would like. And uh, we, uh, for like about a month, we were at home, sitting at home, and uh, our contracts were uh, were pretty much per date. So we didn't get paid when we had at home. We uh, So we were pretty much sitting at home making no money. So it was hurting us because... My brother is having a baby soon, and I just bought a house, so we were literally sitting at home uh, with zero uh, money coming in, so it was kind of hurting us that and uh, other things like uh, just not being used uh, properly. Uh, we were split up, which which was fine by us, and we said, yeah, we'll do it. That's fine, but, but then they stopped using us. They, they said they had a whole, like, long couple-month program that me and Matt would do which would actually lead to lockdown in a steel cage match, uh, me versus Matt one-on-one. That was, that was actually the, the original plan that was supposed to happen. And as you know, it didn't happen. It, it ended up being like a six-man. There was, there was just so many different things that led to it. Like the agents literally didn't even know uh, if uh, we were heels or faces uh, during the last few months of our run. And it, the writing was on the wall for us. And, we pretty much said, you know what, let's let's go on the indie scene where we could actually control our dates and actually know uh, how many shows we're going to have a month. Because in TNA, we we never knew how much shows we would wrestle uh, during the month, so we didn't have a budget. So that kind of hurt us as well. So there's a lot of factors, like I said, but those are some of them that led to our departure. Bring up like the lack of like uh, writing in TNA. Do you think that is one thing that hurts companies, the fact that quite often uh, storylines are just dropped and not kind of carried on and never explained? Oh, yeah. Uh, the continuity is uh, terrible with the company. Like, for instance, uh, me and my brother, we we were in uh, different programs every uh, every other month. Like, uh, for I don't know if you guys remember this, but me and him were... Uh, we were actually uh, doing a thing with uh, Victoria, uh, known as Tara in TNA. Uh, she oh, was, yeah, being a cougar. Act- 
Yeah, she's the our cougar. That lasted <laughs> for a whole three weeks. Uh, we uh, we split up, which lasted for another month, and just uh, then out of nowhere, we uh, were back together. Then uh, we were in a a stable with uh, Amazing Red and Spanky for maybe three weeks, and then they had scrapped that as well. There's just no continuity, so the fans don't know what to get behind. So there's really nothing to cheer for because they don't know what's going on. They don't know who the baby face or the heel is. So it's really hard for people to get into the product, I think. Absolutely. Uh, I want to go back to the phone line. Uh, we, we have been talking with Nick, but it looks like now we've been joined uh, by your brother, Matt. How's it going? Good, good. Hey, sorry about that. I, I came home uh, from dinner with my in-laws, and I had an ant issue all over my uh, kitchen. So I killed a bunch of ants, and I rushed over to the phone. So sorry about that. Tardy. Yeah, the, the tardy one, uh, the, the troublemaker. Oh, I, got on. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's why Nick will always be more successful than me. Not only does he have blonde hair, but he, he does things on time. <laughs> yeah, I do look more like Jeff Hardy and uh, Shawn Michaels, the richer of the two. <laughs> Uh, well, like, you bring up Jeff Hardy, uh, and, th- and this is the one thing that fans have always said. Do you believe that TNA were trying to push you guys too much like a new version of Matt and Jeff? Do uh, I answer that, Matt? Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, initially when we came into the company, they just they didn't really tell us anything. We just we All we knew was we were going to be called Gen Me, and then uh, after the debut, uh, we didn't even know about the name change. We had to be told by the fans uh, who was watching, you know, that we're now called Max and Jeremy. So it was like, oh, wait a minute. Max and Jeremy, Matt and Jeff, uh, they wanted us to dress a little like the Hardys. Okay, you know, maybe they're, you know, maybe it's a little too close. Uh, and, I mean, we, we were, our, you know, already throughout our entire careers uh, compared to those guys. And rightfully so. I mean, we're brothers. We, you know, we have a similar style. Um, maybe they shouldn't have done it so much or but maybe it was kind of uh under our control too maybe we could have done something different but i guess we, we were just so new to the whole you know working for a creative team and writers and we just basically did what, what we were told you know like nowadays you know if someone told us to do something like that we'd be like well maybe we should do this and do that and we'd make suggestions so uh, i don't know if it's necessarily 100 percent their problem but i mean I, i'd say that it was mine and nick's also we maybe could have switched a few things you know but uh, like i said we weren't comfortable enough to make those decisions right away well, you know, and that's and that's the one thing too that you bring up. You know, they they wanted you guys to kind of be a a version two point of the Hardy Boys, even you know, even down to the attires, because a lot of the things you guys wore yeah. reminded me of the you know the early ninety eight run with the Hardy Boys. You know, uh, where they had the right. plaid and and you know the the pants. It, it just it, to me, it, it's it's almost like you were destined to to fail in those gimmicks, and, and that's unfortunate. I mean, my big thing with TNA, and I'll be real honest with you guys. I bo- I'm boycotting TNA. I'm not watching it. I- I'm done watching TNA. Right. My biggest problem with this company is that unless you're an established talent, you have no direction yeah. and no future in that company. Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's a fair statement. Uh, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, there's just uh, the guys that are already established stars are going to be over because people remember watching them back in their heydays in WWE, let's be honest. So, it's tough to get a guy over uh, that hasn't been on, you know, on, on WWE for so many years. And could, for one thing, there's no continuity. Uh, you know, as soon as someone starts to kind of get over, uh, you know, they're it, it's it, they're taking off TV. It's just it's so much start and go or go. I mean, back and forth. You know, it's like stop and go. That's what I'm looking for. Stop and go. Stop and go. 
like as soon as someone starts to gain a little bit of steam, it's like you don't see him on TV again. So it's like it, it, I know it happened with Nick and I. It happened with uh, with Jay Lethal a couple of times. I know he he grew to be upset too about it. And you know, it, it's hard. It's like just give us a chance, you know, because we can get over. It's just we're not given the platform or the time to get over. And anytime an angle started kind of getting a little bit over, they'd take it off. Like I remember we we were having fun with with Tara doing the whole thing with the with her being you know kind of like. Yeah. Uh, Kind of like, uh, like, she, she, yeah, she, I mentioned, I mentioned, right. that, oh, you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so that was one thing, you know, we were, we were kind of like, oh, this is, we're hopeful almost, like, this is great, you know, and all of a sudden that was just, you know, no explanation that was done, you know, and then mine and Nick's breakup, you know, not, no time given to that, and that was over. Yeah, you know? was just, it was hard to really nurture or get any storyline over because there's just no time given for it, you know, so. Like, Towards it, like the end of your run in TNA, it seemed like TNA were trying to push the heck out of the whole X Division like idea. Yet in the last year, that they released guys like yourself, Jay Lethal. I mean, what is going wrong within that whole division, a division that made the company famous? I think it's uh, I think it's all at work. They say that on the the impact. They say, uh, yeah, we're rebranding the X Division, but. Let's face it, they say that once a year, and it doesn't happen. They uh, they have one time slot for every week for the X Division, and that one time slot is either five or six minutes, and that's not going to get a whole division of wrestlers over. No. You, you, need, you need a lot more time. And I, I always said that they needed a second TV show to actually use all the talent that they do have because they got way too many talent uh contracted uh, within the company so that it's impossible to put 60 guys in one uh, episode of Impact, which is only two hours long, but it's right. not going to get over until they get a new TV show, I think. And that's what they told us. They told us the fact that they had they had too many X-Division guys, and I mean, not just X-Division guys, but too many guys on the roster, so with the X-Division in particular, since there's so many of us, we had to really pretty much like be switched up, like okay, these three guys will be on the show this week, and then we'll have you two on this week. And then, and everybody, anybody knows that that's just not going to get you over because, you know, people need repetition. They need to constantly see that face on TV, you know. Uh, that's how you get recognized, and that's how you get over. And uh, unfortunately, they kept just switching it up so often that people just, I guess, forgot or, you know, it was just too confusing, I want to say. But uh, the reason why they, you know, they're getting rid of a lot of these guys, I mean, a lot of these guys have quit. Like, I know Red quit. I know we left. Jay was fired. Um, but, I mean, in the same breath, they let it, They let us go. They let us go almost too easy. Maybe they should have fought a little bit harder to keep Red happy and keep him in there. I mean, he's one of the originals, you know. And, and uh, you know, Nick and I were only there for a cup of coffee, but I'd like to think that, Every time they they gave us something, we hit a home run with it, or at least tried our hardest and had great matches. Uh, I mean, I'm, I remember Bound for Glory, for for example. You know, we went out there on their biggest show, and you know, everybody said we stole the show with the guns. You know, and we're we're super proud of that match. But it's like you know, we felt like we had enough work behind us to almost you know have maybe hope that they would fight for us. You know, maybe maybe we earned our spots, and they just they just let us walk. So uh, as far as, you know, them saying that they're rebranding the X-Division, I, I, you know, hopefully they're going to try with these new guys. But I, it's, it's hard to be hopeful when we just saw it happen to us, you know, what, what happened to us and what happened to our friends. So. Well, you know, that, that's a good point. I mean, but, you know, Red's gone. And, again, he was one of the original guys. But my biggest problem with what they did with Red was, 
you know, WWE signs, you know, Mystico and calls him Sankara, and then the next thing you know, you got TNA coming out, oh, he's going to be Sangrito under a mask. Why right. was there a need to do that? You've got Amazing Red, who's an amazing guy yeah. in the ring. It's his whole gimmick. Why I put a mask on him? I don't get it. That was, that was very bushly, I think, in my opinion. Like, don't don't put Amazing Red under a mask. He, his gimmick's over as it is, and you should have heard his pop. I was tweeting about it the other day. Uh, we were at lockdown, and he hadn't been on TV in months, and he came out in huge pop because they, they announced Amazing Red, and the fans went nuts for him. Like, Keep yeah. him as he is. He's good. I mean... He's a talented dude. Everybody knows what he can do in the ring. Uh, why put a mask on him? And, you know, in DNA's defense, I heard uh, in a meeting that it actually wasn't their call. It was uh, the network's call to do that because they wanted to have, you know, an answer to to WWE, you know, because they're finding so much success with the Sin Cara character, I guess. I don't know. That, that's what I heard. So, I mean, I, I don't know if you can really blame it on TNA, but, I, I mean, they did let it happen. And then, and then you know, on the same note, now – what have they? What have they done with it? You know, it's done. You know, like they let they let Red go. So the character's dead, I guess. You know, so yeah. what was the point of it? What was the point of the whole thing? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Now, just, in your guys' opinion, do you think uh, TNA should let you be your whole Ring of Honor name because that name was built up? The Young Bucks were known. And it seems like nowadays wrestling companies just want to change names and make new names. Do you think you, that you guys should have been able to keep the Young Bucks? as a name in, in, in TNA. Yeah, that would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Nick, in, in retrospect, I mean, it's, it's good that we, it almost didn't happen because they would have tried to own the name, you know, and, and yeah, now we can go back to being young bucks, you know, without any type of fight, having to go to court. Uh, like at the time, I remember Nick and I were really upset. We're like, "What is this? Jen, me, Max, and Jeremy?" Like we weren't feeling it, and I don't think the whole time we were there, I don't think we ever really got 100 percent comfortable with it. Like it was just, I mean, signing autographs was awkward. I mean, even to the, to the end. Uh, so I mean, it feels good to be Matt and Nick, you know, just our normal names and be the Young Bucks. And then one thing I wanted to point out is like, you know, I don't know if it's the same for Nick, but like whenever I get recognized, uh, you know, I'm recognized as as Matt from the Young Bucks. You know, like even at TNA house shows, people wanted me to sign Matt Jackson. You know, and and uh, I mean, I was in Lamaze with my wife the other day, and I got recognized for being Matt Jackson. You know, not not Max Buck. You know, surprisingly, it's like you'd think the the audience that they have, uh, you know, the, the one million people that watch the show, you know, it would have gave us something. But I, I'm telling you, man, like nine out of ten times, it's about the, it's all about the young bucks. And uh, at first, we were heartbroken because I remember uh, Nick Nick probably remembers our dark match. We had we had people with Young Bucks signs. They're chanting, sign the Young Bucks. Uh, we we just knew right away. We're like, we already have a following. What's the point of even switching this? Yeah, you know? Well, you I, know can, I can just remember, I remember we were really upset about it. I, I could bring up something, too. Uh, it, it's funny because uh, all the boys, all the agents, they all knew us as the Young Bucks, so they never called us Jin Mead. <laughs> Throughout our event there, they're, they called us the Bucks, the Young Everybody. Bucks. Everybody. Everyone, the whole time. So I had never really caught on with the boys either, and that, that yeah. just shows you that it wasn't really a catchy thing. And I think I think that's why they called us, you know, Max and Jeremy Buck. I mean, obviously that's why they did. It was kind of yeah. like a rib on us, like a joke. It's like if you're gonna, you know, call the Bucks anyway, why don't you just call the Young Bucks? You know. But like I, earlier, earlier I mentioned, you know, they would have probably owned the names now, and I'm I'm, yeah. I'm so happy that we just did the Gen Me thing and it's over with and now we can go back to being, you know, what, what brought us to the dance. So, 
Now, something I want to ask, and it might be controversial, but RVD, he made some comments in an interview recently basically saying that some unknown talent ignored him. I mean, do you care yeah, to was, respond to that? That was all uh, a bunch of bull. Uh, we always said hi to him, and uh, we had never had a problem with him. And I don't know what he was thinking, uh, saying that stuff, because we uh, always go out of our way to say hi to everyone. Uh, not only the, the wrestlers, we, we go and say hi to the cameramen, the, the referees, the uh, bell ringer, you know, everyone. Everyone that has to do with the show, we say hi to and uh, we shake their hands and we show them respect. So that crap was uh, just a bunch of baloney, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and you know, what, what upset me was, was the, the picture he tried to paint about the young talent in TNA that, you know, we don't we don't go up to people and uh, go up to veterans and ask for advice. And, and, you know, that's not true. I mean, we dress with all the young guys. We're in the exhibition locker room and you know, I know for a fact my brother and I and all the, all of our buddies, we always went to the uh, to the veterans for advice. And, you know, if we need to seek advice, we went to certain guys we were comfortable with. If we weren't comfortable going to Rob, then I guess we weren't. But he didn't seem like the most approachable approachable guy in the world to us. So we, you know, we got our advice from other guys. So yeah, I, I guess, you know, people are going to take certain things personal, and that's just unfortunate. Well, you know, the thing that kills me about RVD is, you know, this was – even when he first started with the company uh, a little over a year ago, uh, he had a very controversial comment that he and Jeff Hardy were the rock stars. And the reason TNA was seeing a, a, a surge in the ratings was because that the, the rock stars were there and they were there to help everybody, you know, develop. So any time he says anything anymore, I just kind of you know, yeah. facepalm. It's like, what the hell are you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. when that happened. And remember that Nick word was getting around about that and a lot of people were hot about yeah, that. Yeah. And he he also said that line about how he would never want to wrestle guys like Christopher Daniels. Like, are you kidding me? Christopher Daniels could r- run circles around RVD. He's like, don't say that to one of the best wrestlers alive. Yeah, and if you you're going to say that, say it about someone that sucks. I mean, Chris Daniels is one of the coolest guys in the world. Uh, the guy yeah. is like the godfather of TNA. You know, he he takes care of you on the road. Like he's he's one of the guys. Uh, another guy that I don't give enough, enough credit to. But you know, one of the guys who just looked out for us. And then I mean, like Nick said, he, his work rate. I mean, the guy's he's what is he forty something now, and he's just absolutely amazing. We were we were at the Hammerstein Ballroom uh, about a month ago with uh, Ring of Honor, and we watched him and Generico just absolutely tear the house down, have the best match on the show. So, you know. If you're going to say something about someone, don't say it about a work machine like, like Christopher Day. Yeah. So no. you bring up that you were at the Ring of Honor iPay-Per-View. I mean, how did that all come about? Because, of course, you, at that time you were at TNA, and then you worked a dark match for ROH. I mean, how did that all come about, and what was kind of the uh, reaction backstage in TNA that, that you worked for, an, for another company's dark match? We were booked on that show... Uh, what would you say, Matt, four months in advance? Months ago. That's been planned for months, yeah. Yeah. And uh, TNA, actually, they, they agreed to it. They were like, yeah, that's fine. And uh, they, uh, they found out it was an iPay-Per-View, so they, TNA actually tried to take us off of that show. Yeah, they so, actually uh, pulled us from the show. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Well, they, they, pulled, us, they pulled us from the event, and then... Uh, Ring of Honor, we we obviously have a great relationship with them. We wrestled, you know, we had a run there, probably a year and a half run with them, and we're really close with the guys there. So we told, you know, they were really upset that TNA was going to pull us, and they said, you know what, we're going to make this work. 
uh, we really want to have you guys out. You know, we'll just make it a dark match. And we were really happy about that because we, we were we were so excited to go to New York City and wrestle in front of that, uh, that amazing audience in that building. It's one of our favorite buildings. So we, you know, we had the opportunity to do it, and then we found out we were wrestling Cole and O'Reilly, two guys that I'd heard a ton about. And uh, I mean, we we got there, and it was just it was so much fun. We had a blast. At that point, Nick and I had already made the decision that we were pretty much leaving uh, TNA. It, just, it wasn't a matter of if we were, it was a matter of when we were. Um, we had pretty much given our notice. Just we, we we just we reached out. We wanted you know some type of uh, better agreement, some type of some type of agreement where you know we would have some just know what type of budget we could have. You know, we we need something guaranteed. And uh, we asked them to come up with something, and then we went and re- worked the Ring of Honor show. So we we're kind of in the middle of all this stuff. But then after we, we felt the magic and we wrestled in front of that crowd, we, we kind of looked at each other, and uh, we were just like, man, don't you miss this? You know. And, and then right after that, we went and got culture shocks because we went straight to Orlando, and we worked like Explosion, and the, the agents didn't know, you know what our angle was or if we were heel or face. And we, we were just like, you know what? Uh, I think we got to go back to back to Ring of Honor. Why are we fighting this? You know. So ultimately, I think working in New York City uh, was kind of like the nail in the coffin for us. We we, we figured, you know, not only are we going to go back to like, like we didn't make the decision like we're going to go back to Ring of Honor. We're like we just missed indie, indie wrestling altogether. We missed being happy and being able to work in front of people like the you know the crowd at New York City and just being able to go out there and prove that we can wrestle. You know, like we just missed it. And I think I think New York City really helped remind us about like how good we were, you know, and how underutilized we were currently being. In your opinion, is that one is that one thing that hurts TNA because of course they are set in Orlando the whole time. Compared to being one of that go around and go to different uh, events. I mean, the fans in in Orlando, they're not really wrestling fans per se. They're people who who are there to go to a park. People that go to Ring of Honor don't be are wrestling fans. Oh yeah, they're uh, they're tourists actually. They're they're not even wrestling fans. Most of them are tourists, and uh, the front row is actually uh, paid uh, paid uh, extras to look good in the front row. And uh, ROH has hardcore fans that love wrestling, and uh, they'll go out of their way to watch it, and they'll buy the DVDs. They're, they're actual wrestling fans. But, so there's a difference, and uh, the product will show a difference. Like if you watch a... a house show from uh, uh from roh uh you'll see the crowd going nuts but if you watch an episode of impact then it's not like if you do go and watch a impact house show it's totally different so they have to take impact on the road and they have to do them in front of an actual paid audience because the product will look totally different in my opinion Oh, I, I agree, and I think that it, like it makes our jobs as wrestlers harder wrestling in that that same building every you know two weeks because there's no way to gauge if you're over because these people don't know who you are; they only know who Hulk Hogan is, you know. And, uh, so it's hard for for you to gauge if you're doing the right job if you're if you're getting that right emotion that you need as a character when the people really aren't going to react strongly or authentically. You know, it's not going to be authentic or real. It's just going to be forced. It's going to, it's going to seem like a TV audience. I mean, that's what it is. You're in a studio. So it, it yeah. makes your job really, really tough. And like Nick touched on the house shows, it's completely different. Everybody loves the house shows because you go out there and you, awesome. you, feel, like, yeah. you feel like a pro wrestler. You, you, there's, you know, they're real fans, and, and they're reacting based on what they watch on television. And it's better to gauge 
if you're doing the right thing because you can actually tell by listening, you know, and you can just feel the difference. So, I mean, you so you, you both worked in both TNA and Ring of Honor. I mean, and both companies have been around for the same amount of time-ish. I mean, how would you compare and contrast them? Because people often say that Ring of Honor needed a TV deal to get to, to be number two behind the WWE. I mean, do you think that Ring of Honor are closer than they than they have ever been to TNA in terms of fan base and being the quote unquote number two to to the WWE. Go ahead, Nick. Uh, you know what? Uh, I think they're the closest now to uh, maybe uh, getting there, but uh, they're still not there yet. Uh, I think they got a while because TNA. Let's face it, they got a uh, they got millions and millions of dollars uh, back in them. And, they have Spike TV, which uh, saves them because uh, that, that's what makes their, their product. If they didn't have Spike TV, then they wouldn't be where they are. Like so, uh, ROH, they, they yeah, they have the the new syndicated uh, TV show, and may, maybe that'll bring them up there. But time will tell. I, I'm not sure about it now. Like I can't comment about how they'll be now because I haven't seen anything yet. But I, man, uh, you never know, and maybe in a few years this thing will uh, pick up, and maybe it'll be uh, the number two company. So, looking back at your your stint in TNA, well, what, hold on, Curly. hold on, Curly. I don't mean to Sorry. cut you off, but hang on. Back to that that same point. You know, I agree with what you're saying, and for a company like Ring of Honor to be around just as long as TNA and not have the mainstream guys. I mean, granted, Ric Flair was there briefly for a cup of coffee and then swindled money out of them. But, I mean, for, for a company that didn't have, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan or any major, you know, names coming through and being a part of that company to try to elevate them and for not having a, a television deal for so long, I think it's great that they've managed to, to stick around this long. And I think now with the Sinclair deal that it's it's only going to be, you know, bigger and better things for them. So, I think they're yep. really starting to position themselves. When I watch look, when oh, yeah. I when I watch TNA, I just see like WCW version 2.0. Uh, everything, in fact, even to to the exact players involved with booking mm-hmm. the show, with running the show, they're all the same guys that killed WCW. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's 100% true. And and I I I absolutely agree. I I think they're absolutely on track to good things with this whole Sinclair thing. And I mean, if you, I mean, they don't really release their numbers for pay-per-views, but I'm telling you right now that the eye pay-per-views that Ring of Honor does aren't far behind their numbers. So, like you mentioned, that's without Hulk Hogan. That's without, you know, Ric Flair, RVD, Jeff Hardy. You know, that's what that's what the guys that, like Chris Hero and Claudio and and Davey, you know, and. Guys like that, like El Generico, it's crazy that that they're on, you know, almost at the same level as them in terms of numbers for people who want to buy and watch a show. It's it's, it's unreal. So yeah, they're definitely positioning themselves, and uh, they're in their best spot to take over as number two if they've ever been, you know, in their since their existence. I mean, I, I don't know what the pay per view numbers are like for them, but if if they're getting anything over eight or nine thousand, they're already beating TNA, because right. the last report I got was they're getting eight thousand, and that's. Obviously not including, you know, illegal streams, which, you know, it sure. seems to be the, the favorite of people. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. thousands sure. of those, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, I don't think they're far behind that. I'll tell you that right now. So so you bring up the King of Wrestling, and I have to ask this. It is reported that, that they are going to the WWE. 
I just wanted to get your thoughts on them possibly going to the to the WWE. Uh, Nick, do you want to answer that? Uh, about the Kings of Wrestling? Yes. That's the question? Yes, possibly uh, going to the WWE. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I, I'm not sure if they are or not, but they would definitely, I think, uh, fit the mold that right now that they have. Because it seems like the WWE guys, uh, they're... Uh, they're really marking for uh, marking out for the the old ROH uh, wrestlers, and they they should be because CM Punk is the uh, number one right now, and he uh, he came from ROH, and uh, Brian Danielson doing well as well, and uh, he was from Ring of Honor, so why not uh, pick up the Kings of Wrestling? It's not going to hurt them, you know. And I think they would do great there because they're two awesome wrestlers. So if there's nothing but positives uh, that come out of it for them, and I don't know if they would. Uh, split them up pretty quickly as a team or not, but uh, hopefully they, they wouldn't because they're a great tag team, and uh, I think they uh, shine uh, better as a tag team. As I agree. Team. Yeah, I, I think they're t- they're one of those teams that just they, they're so much better as a team. Not to say that they're not great as singles wrestlers, so that, I mean, it's two, they're two of the best in the world. Uh, I, like Nick said, I totally agree. I think that if they had if given the opportunity, I mean, they would do great. It's just, it's all about actually getting that opportunity that's the hardest part in professional wrestling if you if you're given the, the opportunity they'd hit a home run guaranteed so, yeah well you know with with cm punk being at the height of his popularity uh you know every every now and then he'll throw out the old ring of honor reference which is another reason ring of honor is probably thriving right now because people are like what's oh, yeah. ring of honor you know and then they go and check it out and they're like oh this is awesome uh you know you, you don't see that with tna they don't mention them on wwe yeah. but you know, I think I think with uh, with the Kings possibly coming in, you know, it almost seems to me like they're setting up for Punk to have his own faction, and I would think that yeah. you know both uh, Chris and Claudio would probably be a part of that. Sure. Yeah, and I, I also I also heard uh, Cold Cabana just had a a tryout, so you never know. Yeah, I mean that'd be great if they let him loose, man. It could be something different. It could be something special. So I only wish those guys luck. They're all they're all great dudes. So, and they, they, if anybody deserves it, it, it's a guy like Hero who's been doing this forever. So, I mean, he he deserves to make a lot of money. So, you know, you so, guys, hold on a second, Carly. Okay. You guys remind me a lot of uh, of Chase Stevens and and Andy back in the day when uh, when the Naturals were kind of running roughshod in TNA. Yeah. I mean, you guys remind <laughs> me a lot of them, and it's unfortunate that they never really got off the ground in TNA. And I just I hope that you guys, uh, you know, rebounding from things, you've obviously got things in your future that you're looking to do, whether it's, you know, with Ring of Honor, whether it's with Japan, uh, whether it's someday going to the WWE. I, I think that you guys have a have a decent shot, uh, you know, at, at making good for yourselves there. Thanks, man. Well, I, I think thanks. that yeah, thank you. I think the one thing we have is, is youth. I mean, you know, Nick's Nick's a freaking child still. And, and I, I'm, not, I'm not that old yet. Uh, so, I mean. We definitely have uh, endless opportunity, I think, right now. Um, I mean, we're so well-traveled for being guys that are just in our 20s. So right now we have a few options, and, you know, we just – we right now we just want to have fun and we want to make a, a living doing this. You know, we just want to support our, our families, and and uh, you know, that's what we, – we just didn't feel like we were getting the best o- opportunity to do it there. So why not explore other places, you know? So, I mean – WWE, who knows? Never say never. I know. I know Nick's not too thrilled about it because he knows he, he doesn't like being on the road a lot. And I mean, I don't either. Uh, 
but I'll, I'll just I'll give that answer. Never say never. And then you know, Ring of Honor is such a, a, a fit for us. You know, it's just our style, and uh, we just like producing good wrestling matches. That's what that's what we like doing. We like having really fun, entertaining professional wrestling tag team matches. And not a lot of places offer tag team wrestling anymore. And you know, Ring of Honor is the best. So. Uh, I mean, I definitely see ourselves, you know, we, we haven't had our last match at ROH, that's for sure. So. Well, you know, and, and I, I think it's good that you guys are back on the indie scene. I mean, obviously, we talked about, you know, the fact that you guys weren't able to work other shows uh, while being contracted to TNA. You guys weren't always booked to be on the shows, and you weren't drawing money at that point. So, you know, at least working on the indies, you guys can bring in a pretty decent income for your family. So, yeah, I completely agree. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean... We'll we'll figure we'll make more money doing the indies now. I mean, the TV obviously helped us, you know, negotiate better better deals and stuff like that. But uh, we're gonna make more money now, you know, doing doing indies, so, and we're gonna be happier. We're gonna be wrestling with our buddies, you know. So ultimately, it was, it was just win win for us. It was time to get out before they tainted us too, anymore. And you know, we just we just want to show the world we can wrestle again. You know, point blank. So looking back on your career in TNA, ROH, uh, and Chicago so far. What moment or moment or matches will stand out as your best? Oh, I think our uh, our run with the the Motor City Machine Guns for sure. Uh, you know what sucks is that we actually had some of our best matches we've ever had on house shows, and those are uh, obviously not televised or recorded, so that there's no way to see them. So only that live uh, audience got to see them, and man, we. I felt like we had uh, probably uh, the best matches we've ever had in our career on those house shows. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. We were talking to Alex Shelley a couple of weeks ago at Pro Wrestling Grill out here in, in L.A., and, I mean, he, he told us, he said, those are my favorite matches I've ever had, you know, those house shows. We we took the match, we took it everywhere. It was just so much fun. Like, we, we felt like professional wrestlers, you know. Like, we, I remember, watch, I remember you know, watching uh, the old uh, rocker tapes. It, it just felt like the old rocker matches, you know. <laughs> it was so fast-paced and quick, but it was always fun, you know. So definitely, like Nick said, uh, our matches with the guns that people will never see. And then I touched earlier on our Bound for Glory match. That's probably the one match that we feel like it, it captured that, that same, you know, feeling that we, we portrayed to, on the house shows I, I was bound for glory. Uh, we did, we had a really fun time doing the uh, empty arena thing that I think a lot oh, yeah. of, a lot of people overlooked that because we were really, really proud of that. Like, uh, we felt like that was a different style, different dimension of us. Like it wasn't so such, you know, how usually Nick and I are so synchronized and everything's so fluid. Like we wanted to be tougher there and more aggressive. And we felt like we could show that we showed that in that match, especially. Um, but yeah, just, just wrestling the guns. Mostly. I mean, I, when I look back at my run at TNA, for me, it's going to be the year and a half, two years we wrestled the motor city machine guns. I can't even tell you how many times we wrestled them. Um, other highlights though, uh, was just being able to, you know, work with guys that you, you used to watch when you were a kid. You know, we got to we got to do an end ring with Hulk Hogan, you know, towards the end. Um, got to work with Matt Hardy, which was really cool. Um, you know, just, just little things like that will be, you know, highlights that I'll always remember. Uh, for about a week, they let us talk, and, you know, and uh, that was fun, getting to, getting to, you know, be heels and work with that. That was kind of a different style, and we enjoyed that. I remember uh, there's a funny story they – they gave us the company credit card, and we went to a mall and just bought a bunch of clothes from Abercrombie and Fitch and Hollister and American Eagle. And just, uh, I remember Nick and I picked out a few things that we'd wear, you know, on regular day just to have it. <laughs> but uh, they wanted us to go out and get some snobby-looking clothes. We went and did that, and then that's when, you know, for about a week or two, they let us they let us loose. 
And uh, that was the build-up for Bound for Glory. And when we when we entered at Bound for Glory, we had so much TV time behind us that we were really over. You know, for the one time uh, there, and that that whole whole run, I would say we were we were finally over because they let us loose. You know, and and it felt good. So that was another another highlight. You know, that that whole month of build-up, and then finally the big blow-off match at uh, Bound for Glory. Well, as a, as Jay said, you guys have a bright future in in, in wrestling. Be it ROH, be it in Chikara, be it. Who knows? Maybe one day in, in in the WWE, but for sure you guys have so much talent, and let's just see where this this crazy ride takes you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, JJ, any last questions? Uh, I, I just want to tell the guys, you know, uh, keep in touch with us and let us know what's going on. I mean, anytime you need anything promoted, hit us up. We're glad to help you guys out. Great, man. Well, we oh, appreciate man. you guys letting Sounds us good. talk, and yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, it's been a good interview, yeah, and, and we've uh, we've had a blast. And like I said, I think you guys are both talented, and you're going to land on your feet. So, uh, guys, if you're just tuning in, uh, you've been listening to uh, both Nick and Matt, the Young Bucks, talking about their run in TNA and, of course, uh, their future in pro wrestling. And i got to say, it looks bright. It's looking good. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Hi, this is Nick Jackson. This is Matt Jackson. We're the Young Bucks. And you're listening to Unplugged, the SNS Radio Network. Perfect, guys. I appreciate it. And on a side note, it's funny. Uh, you're Nick and Matt Jackson. I actually have a little brother named Matt. And my name is Jeff, so we're Jeff and Matt Jackson. <laughs> really? That's great. That's great. Right. That's awesome. Good stuff, man. But anyway, Nick, Matt, I want to thank you guys for coming on tonight. It's been fun. And, again, if there's anything you guys need promoted, feel free to hit us up. We'd be glad to help you out. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, guys. We'll okay. talk to you soon. Okay, bye. bye. Take care, man. All right. All right, guys, there you go, the Young Bucks. Nick and Matt, good interview, Crelly. Good job. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was pretty fun, so I, I thank you for allowing me to book it, and I hope that everyone enjoyed it. Absolutely. Gave us an insight to some of the stuff that's going on in TNA. Maybe I'm not the devil after all, people. Maybe JJ speaks some of the truth. Maybe I do. But on that note, why don't we go ahead, take our first commercial break, our only commercial break, actually, Come back, hit some news of the week, because I know we haven't been able to do that yet since we had uh, had them call right on time, or at least Nick, anyway, called right on time. <laughs> but, but anyway, we'll get to the news of the week, uh, sponsored, of course, by HeadlocksToHeadlines.com. So, guys, stay tuned for more Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. We'll be right back right after this. Guys, what's up? This is Hey guys, it's Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ, all caps sexy of the SNS Radio Network. If you're looking for the latest news in professional wrestling and, of course, some of the best columns on the World Wide Web today, visit headlocks 2 That's headlocks, the number two, 
Headlines.com. It's the official news site of the SNS Radio Network. You should make it your official news site as well. Once again, www.headlocks2headlines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Wrestling Radio Tips on how to host your very own wrestling radio show. Wrestling Radio Tip 101, take listener phone calls. Here's how it works. You set up a phone line, and when a listener calls in, you answer just like this. All right, let's let's go back to the phone lines. Welcome to Wrestling News Live. Who's this? What? Welcome to Wrestling News Live. Who's this? What? Welcome to Wrestling News Live. Who's this? Okay. <laughs> I, I don't really follow Hulk Hogan because I, I just kind of find him up to be a, a washed-up douchebag. It's been booming in the warehouse with, with Sin pro wrestling radio there's always someone out there who will always try to get under your skin i want to really drive andy to the point where he wants to choke me out because i'm going to drive him right off the edge of the cliff they'll always try but in the end it always comes down to the truth that moment when uh, silent rage blows the gasket this match is over you know i'm really just a nice guy at heart but don't piss me off okay i mean come on the truth is going to hurt someone catch your weekly search for the truth right here on the pro wrestling rewind every wednesday night nine o'clock eastern exclusively on the sns radio network standing ovation here let's go to our ring announcer the following podcast is scheduled to take you back in time host Ring announcer Sean Beckerman brings you Pro Wrestling Nostalgia, featuring classic moments and old school themes. So buckle up and go beyond the bell. Each and every week on the SNS Radio Network, it's go time. Good hello. I am Sergei Heminov, Russia's three-time World Rubik's Cube Champion of the Rubik's Cube. When I relax, I like to make sexy with woman. But in spare time, I listen to radio on interwebs. I like to have opinion and ask questions to people who are the best. If you are like me and like to make sexy with woman and listen to radio, then you need to listen to what wood fans do. A show that is for the fans. Three people like me 
other people like you and the people like me. Remember to send your emails for opinion, ideas, suggest, or Molotov cocktails to WWFD at ymail.com. Join Mr. Nem, Mr. Zod, and Mr. Diablo for what would fans do. Download every Saturday on here, the SNS Radio Network. Now join in in having some vodka. Oh, what? You're 15? Never too young to have vodka. Have some vodka. Hmm? No, it is quality vodka, not like this accent. It's a state of mind. It's violent. It's bloody. It's what I live for. It defines me. It's who I am. I am not afraid to bleed. Are you willing to go out there and have your teeth kicked right down your throat? Hardcore is my life. DNA presents Hardcore Justice. Live Sunday, August 7th, only on pay-per-view. This summer, there's only one reason to go inside. SummerSlam! The biggest event of the summer. SummerSlam. Live only on pay-per-view. This is Rikishi, and you're listening to SNS Radio. Stay tuned and don't touch that dial. Man, I tell you what, if you are not dancing to that, you are seriously not trying. How can you not dance to Rikishi? I love that song. And again, uh, you can also follow Rikishi. Uh, former SNS alumnus at uh, www.territoryleague.com. Check it out for some great tournament action over there at the Territory League. Uh, of course, I am Mr. Money on the mic, JJ, all caps, sexy. And uh, I know we're kind of running long for this new segment. We had such a fantastic interview uh, with both Nick and Matt, the Young Bucks. But with that being said, let's go ahead and transition into news of the week. And, of course, joining me on the phone lines right now, he is my co-host for the news segment. You know him as the editor-in-chief of HeadlocksToHeadlines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Kelly is back in the house. So as, as you mentioned a minute ago, that today was a mass release in the WWE. Guys let go were Chris Masters, David Hart-Smith, which isn't too shocking, Vladimir Kozlov, and Melina. Gail Kim apparently quit on Monday. Now, I kind of get why she quit. I, I, I'm guessing she was upset with being misused, not being booked. I mean, 
I know fans are, are, not happy, are not really saying not happy with her. I mean, do you see why she quit, or do you think she was a bit of a coward for quitting the company? No, I, I don't think she's a coward at all. I mean, look, it, it comes down to she was told that she had to be out of the ring in, what, less than a minute or a minute and a half. And so she yeah. did what she felt she needed to do, drop to her knees and roll out of the ring and eliminate herself. You know, it's no secret that Gail Kim was highly, highly publicized about going back to the WWE because they offered her a boatload of money to leave TNA, where she was one of the top knockouts. Uh, you know, a former champion in the knockouts division, and really one of the uh, one of the founding mothers, if you will, of, of the knockouts division. And for the WWE to take her from that, offer her the money that they did, and then not utilize her. I mean, let's face it. The most we ever saw to Gail Kim was a couple matches on TV where uh, she jobbed or she had the segment with Daniel Bryan where she was his quote-unquote girlfriend and his whole little diatribe with the, with the Bella Twins. So it's not like uh, she was being utilized properly. Obviously, she wasn't happy. And at the end of the day, when Gail Kim leaves the company and she goes to work for Independence, just like we talked about with, uh, with the Young Bucks, when you're on TV, especially in the WWE, and you are released – and you start working those independent dates, you're going to make money. So yeah. in the long run, I think Gail Kim's fine. I know that you were talking to me earlier in the chat tonight about you think that she pissed off TNA by leaving. Well, it's just like I said, dude, if you're making five bucks to flip a burger and then the other burger, do- burger joint just down the road that's more established offers you 15 bucks to do the exact same thing, where are you going to go work? You're going to go work for the, for the place that's going to pay you more money for you to do the exact same thing. Now, granted, money isn't everything. Happiness really does play a part in this. And, you know, I just wish Gail Kim the best of luck. If she did, in fact, quit, good for her. Good for her oh, yeah, like, for sticking she, to her guns. She's a great worker. Don't get it wrong. She's a great worker who would have never used properly since her return. And if she does go back to TNA, hell, even if she gets to be honor, she will be successful because she's a great female wrestler. And there's not a lot of those anymore. You know, now you've got the, the candy-cutter divas. You know, uh, as, as Natty said tonight, you know, the, the cookie-cutter, you know, perky divas. That's, that's what you don't see. And I find it funny that she cut that promo when you, when you lost a girl like Gail Kim who can actually go out there and wrestle. It's just, it's sad, but that's just the state of female wrestling in the world today. Now, apparently, Christian vs. Randy Orton is being booked for WWE's September pay-per-view Night of Champions. And this will make it the fifth straight pay-per-view that they wrestle. Well, and I know that we say that, that Raw has a single-track booking w- with one main storyline. Does this also mean that SmackDown has one main event storyline? Well, I, I mean, yes and, yes and no. Yes and no. And I see where you're going with this. But kind of keep this in mind. When you've got, for example, um, if, if it is the fifth pay-per-view in a row where they wrestle, you know, right now Christian is the champion. I really think that he's going to keep that title. I don't think Orton's getting it back. And I'll be real honest. I know Orton is the, fo- the, the focal point of the SmackDown brand. That's why he was drafted to the SmackDown brand. But to me, I think Orton needs to be a guy that's going to chase the title for a while. Uh, I think he needs to be taken out of the title situation, which is probably why they're grooming Sheamus to be that next challenger for a guy like Christian as the top face in the company. So with them promoting Sheamus to that next level, going through Mark Henry... I really think that he's going to be next in line to take on Christian. And I'm all for seeing that because, again, it's something fresh. 
It's something that we haven't seen. It will break the monotony of Randy Orton and, and Christian. So I really think Christian is in for the next two pay-per-views to retain that belt. By the way, in the chat, Mason, this is the fourth time. Yes, this review is the fourth time, but it's been booked for Night of Champions in September. Right. Which is the fifth time. Apparently, the plan is for Alberto Del Rio to win the world title just before, or sorry, WWE title, just before WWE head to Mexico in October. Now, it's being rumored that Mysterio will be winning the belt from SummerSlam. No, sorry, uh, sorry the night after SummerSlam. So I'm guessing at some point between then and October, we're going to have Del Rio versus Mysterio. I'm guessing that when it, that'd be Del Rio cashing in the money bank because I'm pretty sure they, that they want to save that match for actual pay-per-view. Because I think Del Rio versus uh, Mysterio could be a great match if given the right time and give and if they're allowed to wrestle uh, a style that is kind of a mix between American and uh, Mexican. Well, if you're if you're going to put the belt on Del Rio, I'd say Night of Champions is the time you execute. Yeah. I mean, would he would he like cash it in, or would it be him announcing when he's gonna? Uh, I I think he would cash it in. I think you know whether it's John Cena or CM Punk or whoever. I think that that's the way he should go about doing it. I think that you know obviously if he's not a champion, he won't be booked for the card, right? Because it's supposed to be championship matches. Uh, right. Now, granted, he might have a match on the card that might not be a championship match, but I would almost have to say that you know if I'm booking it, I'm going to make sure that he he cashes that in before they go to Mexico. Because you want him going there as the champion. Yeah, I mean that's what you know, I brought up last week. You need it if if they want to give Dario about some point and make it important. Do it before the tour because having a Mexican world champion would bring in fantastic money, and especially a Mexican-born world champion. I mean, Rey Mysterio yeah. is one thing, right? I mean, people are glad that Rey Mysterio, you know, being a you know being a Latino, they're glad that he is. Uh, you know, the champion, but a guy like, you know, Del Rio, who's a Mexican-born guy, I mean, that's just, you know, icing on the cake. And, and while we're talking about this, and I meant to, to post this on his Facebook, I'll do this after the show, but I do want to wish a, a happy birthday wish out to uh, longtime listener uh, Sandro. You know him in the chat room as Latino718, so happy birthday, man. And for me as well. Um, apparently, Unseeker will be returning... At Vengeance, in the new WWE magazine, they they promote Vengeance as a new pay-per-view, which it's not. But saying that it's a, a year and one day to the date that Taker was buried alive by Wade Barrett and Kane. So he's already gone for Vengeance against Kane. So I'm guessing it'll be Wade Barrett that he goes after. Well, you know, and that's that might be the direction that they're headed. I, I just, you know. I don't know about this whole Undertaker thing. He's bald now. Yeah, he's bald. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know about this whole look thing for him. I mean, I love The Undertaker, don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying just because he's bald doesn't mean he can't work anymore. But I just I hope if he comes back that he's able to work because he's he's been in such bad shape for so long. When I say bad shape, I don't mean he looks like he's in bad shape. I mean, you know, injury-wise, he's he's been in you know pretty piss-poor shape. So if, if that's, you know, the game plan to bring him back, I just hope that he's at 100% because, you know, he's he's up there in age, and I don't want to see him get injured any further. And, like, you brought up the fact that he's now bald. Doesn't that kind of destroy his whole look of being a dead man? Like, didn't he even have, like, long black hair, wear the hat? I don't know, unless he goes back to wearing a do-rag and being a biker, you know? 
We're not really a do rag, but a bandana, you know. Maybe they should put a, Maybe they could put a do rag on him, and then you wouldn't know he was bald. You know, I don't know. I, I just, I just, I don't want to see a return of the American badass character, but I almost feel like they've humanized him so much that you'd almost see something like that again. Now, apparently, and this is something we brought up last week, there were talks about Mick Foley returning to the WWE. Apparently, there's talks of him having one last match at WrestleMania. But he won't be able to sign with WWE until September because his contract with TNA wouldn't... Sorry, his contract they tore up with TNA gave him a three-month no-compete clause. Oh, TNA actually gave him a no-compete clause? Yeah. <laughs> ah, the things they learned from the WWE. So... They are learning, do they? They're slowly learning. Wow. Now, if only they could learn how to use, I don't know, the exhibition pretty well. But um, oh, they, 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 but they know how to use it, Crelly. I mean, uh, they know how to use it so well that you have an X-Division pay-per-view, that you have three roll-up finishes in one night at an X-Division pay-per-view. That is, that is unheard of. That is unprecedented. Two back-to-back, and then one later in the night. I mean, whoever booked that show did a fantastic job, but... Wow. Okay, back back to the Wii. We're not going to continue just yet. Um, Mick Foley, who would you like to see him one last match with? Who, Mick Foley? Yes, because that's a plan. One last match at Mania. Hmm. I don't know. In the current roster, I mean, I could see him work CM Punk. I could even see him uh, work The Miz. I think him and Miz would have a pretty fun little match. Because I know they've talked about having Jericho versus... Punk at Mania. I mean, that would be good, win a good card. Punk versus Jericho, The Rock versus Cena, and Foley versus The Miz. Well, you know, it, it worked for Edge a couple years ago. You know, if he can work if he can work Foley at WrestleMania, think about what he could do for The Miz. You know, I, I could already see this, this whole scenario unfolding. You know, Mick Foley comes out and starts talking about being a goodwill ambassador for the company, and, you know, The Miz's music hits, I came to play comes over the, the loudspeaker, and the Miz saunters his way down to the ring, looks at Mick and says, Really? 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 You know, and, and has an epic promo, and it leads to a match at WrestleMania where Mick Foley puts over a guy like the Miz. I can see it happening. And also backstage at Mania, we, we will be able to see one last time a kind of on-screen reunion of the Rock and Top Connection. There you go. Now, apparently, and this is something that's been quite a hot topic on the network, there's Michael Cole might be transitioning into a manager. Uh, let, me, let me stop you there. Let me stop you there so I can pat myself on the back. What was it about a year ago when they started this whole thing with Michael Cole? I don't remember if it was this show, if it was Sunday Night Showdown, or Wrestling News Live. But on one of these shows, and Trey and I talked about this the other night, I said that they're going to transition him into a manager. But what makes little no sense, apparently, whilst his like, client in the ring, he'll be a manager. But once his client goes back to backstage, he'll go back to being an, back to being an announcer. Well, the funny thing is they think that they're going to give a superstar heat off of Michael Cole. Michael Cole, to me, almost has Vicky Guerrero heat. I don't think that his heat is going to transfer to anybody he manages. I just find Michael Cole is an annoyance. True that, but... I mean, who would you put him with? Who, if you look at the roster right now, who could do a hill heat? Quote unquote. There. Well, I mean, they had a perfect setup with Jack Swagger that fell through the ropes. You know, Miz would have been a, a perfect guy to, to help with that because he's he's such a Miz cheerleader. Uh, I mean, 
Honestly, on the Raw brand, I have no idea. I have no idea. Del Rio doesn't need him. Yeah. I mean, and that's the problem right now with putting on Raw. There's no one really that they're trying to build by being a top heel. They have to kind of like take a risk with someone. I mean, I right mean, now, I mean, and this is also a question for the chat and the archive. Who would Cole be best with on either brand? I mean, I, I can't see him doing a good job with R-Truth. <laughs> you know, because you'd be having Cole talking about, you know, this and that, and then, you know, R-Truth talking about little Jimmy. I mean, so I don't think that would work for him. I mean, I, at this point, I really don't know. Unless, may, unless you did something with CM Punk, but he doesn't need a manager. So, I mean, again, it, it's kind of like, well, what would you do with him? Unless you bring up somebody from FCW and put him there. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's the plan all along. I don't know. But as of right now, I just don't see anybody he can manage that it's going to do anything for other than Swagger, and we've already seen that kind of run its, its, its course. Now, as we go on SmackDown, uh, Sin Cara will be returning next week. This marked only three weeks since his suspension. So I'm guessing either he's got a doc note for his drugs and or WWE are breaking their own rules and bringing him back a week early. Maybe they realize they made a mistake. You know, I mean, again, I didn't want to see Sin Cara let go, but at the same time, when he does come back, things need to change. I thought they should have sent him back to developmental. I think he's, he's a fantastic... I've seen his matches in Mystico, and I think he's a decent worker. I just think he's having problems transitioning in the ring, working the American style of wrestling... Uh, not being able to, to talk English is a big hindrance. Mm. I, I'm not really sure where they go from here, but please, oh God, please, Vince, Triple H, whoever is the god of WWE right now, please get rid of the fucking mood lighting. I honestly think that um, when they had him get taken out at Money in the Bank, um, that was planned to be his swan song because he was actually in his Mystico outfit for once. That wasn't his usual Sin Cara outfit. That was actually his Mystica uh, outfit. Well, you, you need to have him. You, you need to have him with different colors. He can't be. He can't be the blue and, and you know yellow all the time. Blue and gold. Got to have him. You got to have him in different outfits. You know, I mean, that's what makes Rey Mysterio so so marketable is that he doesn't have the same outfit every time he wrestles. You know, he's always got a bright saw, color. You know. I saw in the chat people were talking about getting rid of Mystica and bringing in that um, Aviato guy or where he's called. Well, they were supposedly going to bring Averno in anyway. And have him play uh, Sin Cara. Well, I mean, that'd be stupid. That would be ridiculous. But the fans, but the, like, the casual fans outside of the IWC would not know it's changed unless he stops doing his running flippy thing. Well, yeah, but if you do that, then you're just pulling TNA shit, you know, putting a mask on red. And we don't really want to go into that, so continue with the news, Crelly. Uh, apparently, WrestleMania broke one million buys. Um... This is probably mainly due to The Rock being there. So WWE are quite happy with their quarterly um, profits. Now, as kind of was brought up during the interview, um, Colt Cabana wrestled a dark match with Wade Barrett at SmackDown. There's been talk about him coming into the E. I mean, I would love to see Colt Cabana be Colt Cabana, not Scotty Goldman, because if you've seen him work in uh, ROH, great wrestler, and I would love to see him be a part of a possible CM Punk faction. Now, I have one bit of TNA news, and JJ, this will make you laugh, because I know you hate this idea. 
But apparently, Dixie Carter is said to be fully behind the new Sting gimmick. Dixie has been telling everyone how great it is that Sting was able to reinvent himself at this stage of his career, and how everyone should learn from him. Hmm, I, I think it's I think it's great that you know he's able to uh, rip off an indie wrestler who's trying to make his mark in the business. I, I think it's great for TNA to to steal a gimmick that uh, you know and then give it to an established guy. It's like I told the Young Bucks: unless you're an established talent in TNA, you have no future in that company. You know, and they show that by taking a guy like Sting changing his gimmick up and taking it from an indie wrestler again you couldn't have proved me more right yeah but i mean this, this is something like i said before i'm not really a fan of this new sting i liked it for the first few weeks when he when he was like kind of crazy sting but this whole joker sting with the weird raven that he had last week whenever it was kind of bizarre but apart from him i've actually been enjoying impact i mean the whole main event storyline is pissing me off. I'm not really a fan of Sting. But, and I'm not sure who agree with me, but I've been enjoying the recent impact. Even though I'm not a fan of still the Wrestling Matters slogan because there's more wrestling on superstars than there usually is on Impact. Well, you know, again, I don't, I don't agree with the uh, creative direction that company's going in. Uh, you know, big surprise. I know you didn't expect me to say something like that, but, you know, again... I've made my point. I'm done bashing TNA. I don't care. I gave up watching that show a long time ago. And just since we're talking about TNA, um, we are scheduled to have a Sunday night showdown this Sunday. I'm still trying to figure out how that's going to work because Internet Dave was having issues the other night when we tested the stream. And if that's not fixed by tomorrow night, I will have to find some other way for the show to happen because I am not going to produce it. I will not be on it. So if I can't make that happen and if his problems haven't been resolved then unfortunately there will not be a episode of sunday night showdown to cover hardcore justice i will keep you up to date on what's going to happen but as of right now i'm trying to work through the problems i actually forgot there was a pay-per-view this sunday so did everybody else i mean i've been so busy looking forward to bound for glory i forgot about this sunday pay-per-view but um that's all the news I've got for this week, unless you have any more news. Well, I, I do want to mention something really quickly. Uh, on Monday's show this week on Wrestling News Live, we will, um, we will actually be airing an interview that I conducted today with uh, someone that's making headlines right now based on the fact that he has a $6.5 million lawsuit uh, levied against one Abdullah the Butcher. Uh, I had the opportunity today to conduct the first actual interview with uh, Devin Hannibal Nicholson, who contracted Hep C, allegedly, from Abdullah the Butcher. And uh, Trey and I sat down with him this afternoon and had almost an hour-long interview with Devin. And you're going to hear his side of the story and a lot of things that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have expected Devin to say. So... Uh, look for that on Monday. It's going to be uh, it's going to be huge. It's going to get a lot of media attention based on the fact that that is a, a huge topic right now in professional wrestling. And uh, you know, I have had the privilege of working with Devin on a few shows, uh, most notably the Bad News Allen Memorial Show, where I did the ring announcing for that show. And uh, he's a class act, and it, it's unfortunate that a guy with so much talent uh, and youth unfortunately succumbed to a case of hep C and is unable to live out his dream in pro wrestling with uh, with a major company. So I definitely want you guys to tune in 
on Monday to hear that. And, uh, you know, it's a must listen, especially for aspiring wrestlers who want to get in the business. He's got some good advice for you. But uh, definitely check that out on Wrestling News Live this Monday. I'm just so interviewed out. You know, the Young Bucks today, also Devin Nicholson. It's, it's been a taxing day for me today. And we have Michael Tava on the 19th. And we have Gregory Helms next week. And and I'm also going to make a little bit of time on next week's show uh, for a good friend of mine, a guy by the name of Mr. Saturday Night Michael Berry. Uh, he is a, uh, a wrestler that I worked with when I worked with Universal Championship Wrestling back in Oklahoma City. And uh, Mr. Saturday Night Michael Berry is the champion of the promotion he's working for right now. And uh, apparently he is going to be wrestling Jerry the King Lawler, WWE Hall of Famer, in the next few weeks. I believe on the 19th or the 20th, he's going to be wrestling Jerry Lawler, and his title is on the line. So I want to bring him on the show next week for a little bit to talk about his upcoming match with Jerry the King Lawler. So that should be interesting. So next week's kind of going to be a double interview uh, Mm. thing going on. So it should be interesting. Yeah. I mean, earlier this week, I actually got to to speak to Michael Tava, And I believe, and Tom could be wrong, this could be his first post WWE interview, uh, unless and unless by saying that somebody scooped him up tonight. I mean, you know, people listen to this radio show. You know, a lot of radio shows listen to this radio show. You never know; somebody might scoop him up. And hey, that's fine. Anyway. I don't care if you get him first. I don't care if you had him fifty times. The bottom line is, when I interview the guy, it's going to be a completely different interview than anybody else. So I don't really care. At the yeah, end of the and day, him, and 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 he said that he's looking forward to it, and he's fully open to talking shop. He'll talk about the Nexus, WWE, John Cena. So this should be a very fun interview on the 19th. Absolutely. So I guess that's really it for all the news of the week. I mean, like I said, we discussed the the releases. Uh, you know, D.H. Smith, not a big surprise. He's, he's been wanting out of his contract for a long time now. So I hope that everything works out with him. Maybe we'll talk to him in the near future. Um, but I think he's probably going to Japan, and then he's going to go and try and do some MMA. So... Good for him. I hope that he's happy, and I hope that he gets everything that that he wants in this business. So, you know, kudos to him. What really kills me about these releases is a guy like Chris Masters. I was very angry that Masters was let go because I'm a huge fan of Masters, and I know a lot of people are like, why are you so high on Masters? Because the guy really, and I hate to be cliched, he's really a total package. He's got the look. He can actually talk on a microphone, and the guy can work his ass off in the ring. He's never been given an opportunity to do so. Now, he had an early run in 2005 with the WWE where he was still kind of green and wasn't that great. When he came back that second time uh, what, a couple of years ago, I, I think he's, he's been phenomenal. You know, he's been putting people over. It just it sucks to see a guy like that slip through the cracks and not get a push. You know, and, 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 and hold on. And then I look at a guy like JTG who's still with the roster. And I think to myself, what the hell has JTG done? And also, Masters was the last guy to make John Cena go unconscious. True the that. last guy that John Cena sold for was Chris Masters back in 2006. So, this, so maybe, maybe that's how you beat John Cena. You bring back in the masterpiece. Nate in the chat room says, but JJ he has the charisma of a wet fish. And JTG doesn't? I mean, it gets kind of old. Yeah, boy! What does that do for charisma? I'm sorry, Maze. I don't agree. He was doing fine with Shad as as part of crime time, but on his own, what has he done? Other than dance around like a fucking idiot. 
What are you doing? He's bringing the hood to you. What you gonna do, JJ? Uh, I want I want talent to be brought to me. I don't want just guys who can fucking dance like a moron and you know live out some stupid ghetto cliche. Well, th- like there are, there are some wrestlers that are strictly tag team wrestlers, and I think when JDT was with Shad, they had a great chemistry. You could tell that they were like like a proper tag team. And I obviously thought when they released Shad, JDT would be next. I mean, since then, he's done nothing of much importance. He's a, Is he a pro on NXT? No. I, think he I don't think he was. But then again, I don't watch NXT, so I don't know. I, I think be he wrong. was because he wrestled, uh, Kos- <laughs> he wrestled Kozlov on NXT. There you go. <laughs> wow. So today, they fired half of the superstar roster. There you go. Maybe that show's going to get canceled soon. Oh, wait, it's on the WWE.com, so it doesn't really matter. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's going to do it for the news of the week this week. I, I just, you know, I kind of shook my head at some of the releases. There's so many people there that, you know, aren't contributing. But JTG is still there. I don't know. I, just... uh, I know people were, were like, oh, don't like Melina. But I was actually listening to her. Like, she put up, like, a four-minute podcast on her website. And if you go listen to that and you don't feel bad for her, you are unhuman. Because I know that people, I know people don't like her because well, apparently what she did was to try it and et cetera, et cetera. But she's still a human. You still need to get paid. And getting fucked for any job is bad. Yeah, and like and I said, she can go work the independents and make a decent living. And hey, here's a concept. Jomo still works for the company, so it's not like she's going to be completely broke unless they break up. Or Jomo quits. Well, and, and that's that's his right if he wants to do that. But that's all I'm saying about it. Uh, look, I'm sorry that Melina got fired, but at the same time, she was never the same when she came back from her injury. You know, yeah, I, I don't I, mean, I don't mean to sound like a cold hearted bastard, but you know, if you can't perform in the ring and you can't do the job, then by God, there's other people that can. And at the end of the day, no offense to Melina, the job wasn't getting done. Well, no, I I, I think you agree with me. I think she would be better to return to a, as as a manager role because back when she was in Eminem, she was her and that tag team were fantastic. I was a big fan of Eminem, right? So I think she could have done, done much better because, like I say, she she was never the same following her injury. So in my opinion, she should be brought back as a manager because she she could shout like a madman. Yeah, so that's all the wrestling news. Don't you mean she could shout like a mad woman? I, I don't. She don't. She didn't really shout like a mad man, but maybe like a mad Sorry. woman. She could. She could scream like a banshee, which used to annoy the fuck out of me. Oh, uh, back what two thousand five when she would like just scream at ringside randomly. Yeah, we won't talk about that. But anyway, that's going to do it for the news of the week. Let's go ahead and uh, I need to get Sean to call in. I know I should have probably told him that on Skype. I know he's listening, so. Sean, this is your cue to call in, and uh, we'll be talking some video games. And I guess, really, maybe before we even get into the video game talk, maybe I should bring up my um, my rant on comic books. Oh, and the movies. thing that I the thing that I sent you a, a few days back. Uh, it's not just what you sent me. This is something that's been on my mind for a while. It seems like a growing trend, you know, in in both Hollywood and you know in comics. So before I get into that, let me go ahead and go to the phone lines and bring Sean in so he's a part of the conversation. Joining me on the phone lines right now, ladies and gentlemen, the sensational sequel, Sean. What's going on, dude? 
What is up, guys? I am actually completely out of it tonight. I've had a 14-hour work shift, so I'm kind of... I'm here, but I'm not here as as it as it can go down. But I'm really curious to hear what you got to say about comic books. Well, do, so do you want to really do like you want to just stay on the line for that, and then just don't worry about the video game segment tonight, unless you got some major news. No, I've got some news to drop, okay. and then I want to talk about the uh, the SNS picks thing because okay. I'm going through the teams right now. But I definitely want to hear what you have to say first. Okay, well, let's go ahead and jump into this. Uh, look, here's the thing, and before I get labeled a fucking racist, I get that enough on WNL. Uh, I I don't personally care if you're black, white, red, yellow, green, purple. I, I don't give a shit, okay? Let me just start that off right now. But what I have a problem with as a child growing up in comic books, you know, I used to read Superman. I'm a big fan of the Superman series. I like Superman movies. What I don't like is seeing that they're rebooting Superman, I'm okay with the guy they picked for Superman, Henry Cavell, who I think is going to do a, a pretty good job. But now I hear the fact that uh, long-term publisher of the Daily Planet, a guy by the name of Perry White, who, by the way, in case you didn't get it, is white, is being cast in this new movie by none other than former CSI star and former Morpheus from the Matrix trilogy. Yeah, I'm talking about none other than Lawrence Fishburne. And look, I think he's a fantastic actor. But why do we feel the need, Hollywood, comic books, why do we feel the need to go in and change a person's ethnicity? Can you not just make new characters? Do you have to keep changing things? I mean, they started this shit off, honestly, with Nick Fury. My dad collected Nick Fury comic books as a child. Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos, long before he was in S.H.I.E.L.D. And he was a white man. And then just over the course of time, they decided, oh, we're going to turn Nick Fury into Samuel L. Jackson, which I love Samuel L. Jackson. Don't get me wrong. One of my favorite actors. But Nick Fury? Not only did we change Nick Fury from white to black. No, no. There's others. The Kingpin. Does anybody remember who the Kingpin is? Wilson Fisk from Daredevil and Spider-Man. He was a white guy, a big fat white guy. In the movie, Michael Clark Duncan became the kingpin. After the movie, they did a Spider-Man TV series. All of a sudden, he's now Michael Clark Duncan in the TV series, too. He's a black guy. Again, I don't mean to sound like a racist, but can you not create new characters? When you take a character, and then change them to another ethnicity after they've had a long history, I have a problem with that. And then more recently than that, you kill off Spider-Man. Peter Parker's dead. And now you have uh, a half-black, half-Latino character that's going to be reprising the role. It's Miles Morales is now the new Spider-Man. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm ignorant here. I don't know much about this, and I'm okay with the fact that it's a totally different character. It's not Peter Parker. But looking at the comic book cover that he's on, it really made me think, this is like young Obama. And again, I, I hope that you guys aren't taking this to heart that I'm being a racist, because I'm not. I just don't understand why you can't create a character and make it a new ethnicity. Why do you have to take an existing character? You know, I don't know why they killed off Spider-Man. Does this kid even have 
uh, Spider-Man's powers, or does he? I, I don't understand what's going on with that. I'm just I'm really confused as to why Hollywood finds the need to do this. You know, let let's go to the GI Joe movie. Does everybody remember the GI Joe movie that came out about two years ago? Hello, am I by myself? No, I remember. I remember the movie. I just don't remember fully who was supposed to be who, and not really. Now I, mean, I, I had I had serious casting problems with that movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, you had Duke played by Channing Tating, which I don't like him. He's not a good actor. First of all, he would not have been my first choice as Duke. You know, Snake Eyes was Ray Park. Okay, great, good job. He's a guy in a black suit, but rather than give him a mask, you know, you gave him a stupid rubber costume that had a fucking mouthpiece to it. You know, could you have made it like a ninja mask with the friggin' visor? That was stupid to me. But my point here is this. You had Ripcord, who if you've ever read a G.I. Joe comic or watched the G.I. Joe cartoon, Ripcord was not a black guy. He was a white guy. So rather than make Ripcord a black character, could you have not have used Roadblock or uh, Stalker or any of the other African-American characters in that role? You had to turn one character to a different ethnicity just to, to, to make a feasible storyline. I'm just I'm not a big fan of this. You know, again, I, I, if I'm offending somebody, I'm sorry. I'm not being a racist. I just have a problem with this whole process. You know, it's someday, someday if, if they make a movie about my life, which would be pretty goddamn boring, are they going to cast uh, Trent Phoenix to be me? I'm white. He is not. Do you see my point? Yeah, it's definitely they're changing a lot, and it's kind of crazy that it's uh, definitely changing. I do think, and I, I, I came in during the African American Nick Fury. I came in during the Samuel Jackson Nick Fury era. So I didn't really see a lot of the white Nick Fury. I really enjoy the Samuel Jackson Nick Fury, and I really enjoy him. I mean, it's I, I, if I had gotten to know the white Nick Fury, I probably would have enjoyed him a lot more. The Samuel Jackson Nick Fury is the one I grew up with, and I really enjoy him as Nick Fury. The Kingpin, the same thing with me. It, it just comes with different errors, I guess. And I think that with you coming up during the era of the white Kingpin and the white Nick Fury, you su- you more so enjoyed them than the guys like me who came up during the African American Nick Fury and the African American uh, Kingpin. It's just one of those things that different generations catch and they'll enjoy a little bit more than than other generations will. I mean, seriously, uh, what's next? Wolverine? He's going to be a black guy with a big afro instead of a fucked up hairdo. <laughs> I don't know about that. That, one. that would that would be like if I made a Shaft movie. And instead of casting a black guy, I made Shaft white. Shaft I guarantee you there'd be a lot of black people that'd be pissed off about that. Yeah. I just, Definitely. again, you know, please don't take offense to it. I'm not trying to, to ripple, you know, ruffle any feathers or make a ripple in the pond. I just don't understand why you need to feel the need to re-ethnicize a character. Maze says, that'd be cool to see. I would laugh. That shit would be hilarious. It would be. But I digress. That, that's my rant. I just, I'm just bothered by this whole process. I just, I don't, I don't like it. 
Again. It's definitely, they're changing a lot, and a lot of people are, are really caught off guard by this, like you. You, you really were caught off, caught off guard, you really didn't like it. Um, I mean, some people did, some people didn't. It's all, as it goes, everyone has their opinion. This network is made of opinions, and that's why everyone shows up, because there are opinions to be said, and that's why we love doing what we do. <laughs> Trent Phoenix says, Trey Dog to play Kuta Kente. Why not? <laughs> I would pay to see that movie. I would pay to see that movie. Oh my. It's kind of hilarious. But anyway, that's that's my rant. I'm glad I got it off my chest. I just don't I don't get it. I don't think it's it's needed again just make an original character, which I guess they're trying to do with this Miles Morales, but to make him replace Spider-Man. I don't know. And honestly, I have no, it has nothing to do with the fact that he's half black, half Latino. That's awesome. But I don't know. We'll, we'll just we'll just have to see. I just it's just been a trend with me lately, and I, I just wanted to voice my opinions. L Train says in the chat room: the reboot, Black Dynamite, starring Seamus. Black Dynamite is an awesome fucking movie. Have you have you people seen Black Dynamite? And no, I don't mean you people as in like you people, like Trey would say. But <laughs> uh, No, seriously, if you haven't seen Black Dynamite, that is an awesome movie. I actually I watched that like three weeks ago. And Michael Jai White is hilarious in that movie. Black Dynamite is the fucking bomb. So, Sean, I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to you. Let's do some video game talk. Okay. Let me get my uh, stuff up and going. So feel uh, first, so so feel free to hate on me, guys, when I open the phone lines. If you have something to say about this topic, but uh, voice your opinion. You know, it, it, it's all good. I'm sure no one's going to hate on you, Jay. There's no problems. Well, I'll get an never. email. I'm offended. I'll never listen to your network again. And who cares? Yeah, whatever. Go for it. Um, first thing up is Batman: Arkham City. Uh, if you haven't heard about this game, it's going to be only the greatest Batman game to ever come out this year. Uh, Penguin, who is in, in the game, is being voiced by one of the most well-known voice actors of this century, I guess. Do you want to take a guess at who this voice actor is, JJ? Um, He's pretty much been in every single video game out there today as a voice actor. Really? Yeah. And who, who's he voicing? Uh, he's voicing the Penguin, but he's also voiced Nathan Drake in the Uncharted series. Oh, fuck. I can't think of his name, man. I know who you're talking about. He's done just about everything. He's done every. He's been in Halo. I mean, he's been almost every single video game voice acting there is to date. Uh, Nolan North. Nolan <laughs> North. That's, that's the guy, It's yeah. just adding to that resume. I mean, he's adding to those paychecks he's getting by acting, I mean, being a voice actor in Batman Arkham City. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the Penguin actually sounds like. I'm really curious to see how it sounds like, but well, the, the, no. there's a there's a clip of the penguin online where you can actually see him talking, and he sounds pretty cool. I, I wouldn't have gathered it was Nolan North, but he sounds pretty cool. I have to take a listen, because uh, Penguin is definitely one of my favorites Batman villains out there. Go to game trailers. GameTrailers.com should have something on that. Okay, I'll check it out. But Nolan North is definitely if this guy doesn't like get a contract just doing one game 
he's pretty much going to be the one guy you hear in every single video game, no matter what. So, congrats to Nolan North for being the Penguin, and for every single other video game he's been in so far. Randy called it in the chat, so did Trent Phoenix. For a minute there, you had me scared. I thought it was going to be Samuel L. Jackson or Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Batman! Motherfucker! I got an umbrella, I'm going to stick up your ass! <laughs> Twisted Metal, which is set to, which was set to release this November, has been pushed back to early 2012 worldwide. They're looking at bringing this out April April to May. They're looking to push the new Twisted Metal reboot out. So look for it in those times, but I mean, it could show up just as February. So definitely, it's going to be curious to see how Twisted Metal is brought in as there's been a lot of people talking about the new gameplay about Sweet Tooth who appears to be a transformer in the game so to speak so it's really going to be curious to see how this game is brought out especially with all the publicity they've given this game back to back to the penguin thing though I, I could I could just imagine a scene where Batman's talking to the penguin and the penguin's yelling at him no, I can't stop yelling, motherfucker. I live with penguins. They can't hear me, motherfucker. That's how I talk. They can't hear me. Okay. Wouldn't our truth be in the corner talking to a penguin? Like, you know, little Jimmy? Yeah, he screwed me over. He's going to get got. Batman, you about to get got, got. Little Jimmy going to put cap in your ass. Got, got. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, my. Doom 3, uh, the source code will be going being released after the Rage launch. If you don't know what this means, the source code to Quake 3, Wolfenstein, Enemy Territory, and Return to Castle Wolfenstein was actually released last year after QuakeCon. So this year they're going to be releasing the Doom 3 source code, which will be al allowing anyone to actually take the source code and modify it to use any kind of mods that they want to for Doom 3 and Resurrection of Evil, which is actually a really good step for, for id Entertainment. They're looking at really pushing all these old school games to coming back. I'm looking forward to seeing what somebody's going to do with the Doom 3 source code. So it's really going to be a good moment after Rage comes out to see what people come up with. Because the, mod, the mods that they can come out with with Doom will scare the pants pretty much off everyone. So it's going to be a good moment. L, L Train's got it in the chat as Dave Chappelle. Bitches, come over here and have sex with the penguin. <laughs> oh, my. This is just going to keep going all night long. <laughs> Moving on. A little bit of Call of Duty talk. I've got actually about three stories on this. First thing is we'll, we'll talk full numbers. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops has sold uh, approximately 25 million units. And Modern Warfare 2 has actually sold 22 million. So Black Ops selling 25 mil and Modern Warfare 2 selling 22 million. Really? <laughs> yes. I mean, that's big news with the fact that Treyarch did Black Ops and Infinity Ward did Modern Warfare 2. That's kind of showing off that a lot of gamers really enjoyed Black Ops a lot more than Modern Warfare 2. All right, listen, I want to I break into the show, and I know this doesn't do anything for the archive listeners. I don't know what's going on between you guys in the chat, but straighten the fuck up before I start kicking motherfuckers out of here. 
Like, goddamn, we're trying to do a show. We're trying to interact with people. There's no need for this. Get along or get out. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, it's kind of broken down in chat. Um, another story for Call of Duty Black Ops is uh, they will be releasing a new zombie pack coming out uh, on the Xbox 360 on August 23rd. It will be called Resurrection. Say what? What's what that? Sorry, you got me interested. No, you that's not well. the voice of God. That's just Crelly. So I'll, yeah. I'll zone out until he says Black Ops. Wow, you just missed two stories then. Um, there will be a new Call of Duty Black Ops uh, zombie pack coming out for the Xbox 360 on August 23rd. They'll be releasing it for the PS3 pretty soon after, but it's called Resurrection. It's By any chance, is it set on firing range? Because on firing range, it says on in blood, res uh, Resurrection. No. Resurrection, actually, if I remember correctly, is going to include a moon base. Moon base. Yes, there it is. Uh, it would include a, all, a brand new moon level, but it will also include Not Der Uten, Vert Verrot, Shinonuma, and Deris, the original four zombie maps from World at War. So if you bought the Hardener Prestige release for Black Ops, you, you already got those maps. But if you didn't, you actually get a chance to own all four of the original maps from War of War by purchasing the Resurrection Pack when it comes out for the PS3 or for the 360. You will also get a Enhanced Zombie uh, Soundtrack and the new Zombies Moon theme for the Xbox 360. So I'm really curious as to how this is going to go. I already own the original four maps, but I'm looking forward to this new moon level and then to whatever else they actually include with the resurrection pack. Well, I'm looking forward just to the, the zombies because today I did the whole Easter egg on on uh, Shangri-La. So in the, if this is a final map pack, they actually need to kind of kill off the characters because in every other zombie map pack, there was a way that you could, like, could, could escape like, because in Ascension you had the Moonlanders, in Kino you had a you had the teleporters, in Call of Dead you had the teleporter in the bottom of the um, firehouse. So it'd be interesting to see how they end this storyline because it, it, it's been a great story so far. I haven't had a chance to check out any of the Easter eggs. I haven't even had a chance to check out Shangri-La. Uh, the group I play with haven't actually uh, gotten. Well, two of them have. Go ahead. No, really, Shangri-La is that they finally got it. They like every single map. There's been a problem with it. Like on Ascension, that's a great map. Apart from the monkeys, that was. Crelly just dropped out. It sounded like. Yeah, and such great timing too. Move on. <laughs> um, definitely looking forward to seeing what they have for Resurrection Pack. Sorry, Crelly, I, you didn't get to finish your statement. I'll, uh, I'll I'll talk to you later. Get up with that. The last story I have with Call of Duty is that the uh, Call of Duty XP, which is going on in L.A. in September 2, 2nd and 3rd, if you attend that, you'll actually be getting a free copy of the Hardened Edition of Modern Warfare 3, which is a $80 bundle pack. So, I mean, if you go to Call of Duty XP, you get a free copy of Modern Warfare 3 to begin with. I mean, that's pretty huge to go with, and they're expecting... They're hoping 
to get 200,000 people at XP um, for both days, just a total. So if they're getting that many, they're going to be they're going to be getting uh, losing about. I do the math correctly. Uh, $1,600,000 Activision. So that's a lot of money to lose, but it's definitely going to be huge to see if they actually get the 200,000 that that they they'll um that they'll, they'll get they'll get. But getting the hardened edition to begin with, a free copy of Modern Warfare 3 is just cool altogether. Cool. Um though to be All-Stars DLC. Have you seen the new DLC? Um, I have actually. I um, I actually went and looked. I haven't bought the DLC, but I have seen videos of uh, of the DLC, and it looks like the characters are very overpowered over the original roster. Mark Henry looks like a beast. The big boss man looks great. My problem with him though is that it's the uh, it's the corporation boss man music and not the uh, not the original big boss man music, which was like epic. You ever heard? I haven't had a chance to look yet. You've never heard that song before, The Big Boss Man? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I have. Okay. I've heard pretty much every single theme he had, um, including the original he used to come out to. I can't remember how it started. It was... Somebody, you ever, if you ever crossed the line, you'll be serving yes. hard time. Yes. I used to have that song on cassette when it came out with the WWE themes back in the day. You better used to watch a step ride. or you'll be doing hard time. I used to ride my bike and sing that song at the same time. That was pretty hilarious. <laughs> That's so gay, Sean. Not that there's yeah, anything whatever. wrong with that, but yeah, yeah, whatever. Let's be it's politically still a good correct. Song. But I'm really curious. And Michael P.S. Hayes, how does how does he come up? Uh, Michael P.S. Hayes, yeah, this is all part of the Southern uh, Southern Pack or something. Charisma, Southern Charisma. Southern Charisma Pack, and Michael Hayes, who made the comment a couple years ago that he was more of a brother than Mark Henry, um, actually has a pretty cool DDT. And I've, I've already seen bump vids uh, over at Cause.ws of guys, uh, one guy in particular, and I can't think of his name, but he's got like 25 different ways to hit a DDT, uh, which is his finish. And we're talking like out of the air, you can hit the DDT on somebody. It's, uh, it's amazing the things you could do in that game. I just wish that SVR well, 11 would have been like that. I wish that WWE 12 would be like that. I, you know, I can't wait to see how the gameplay is for that. And speaking of that, while we're on the topic... Um, Charles, Shane, and I talked today, and it looks like the Cause Cast will be returning next week on Tuesday at uh, 11 p.m. Eastern, but it'll be over at Cause.ws from now on, not over here on the SNS Radio Network. I will archive it here, though, but it's going to be uh, live over at Cause.ws, and he is actually going to be going to the SummerSlam event and getting a chance to actually play. SmackDown, or excuse me, uh, WWE 12. So I should find out more information, uh, you know, on, on the game. We'll all find out about that, obviously, SummerSlam weekend when they reveal the complete roster to the game. So a lot of stuff going on, guys. Definitely a lot of stuff. And I got one more news story, and this was the biggest news that I could find for this week. It's something that I'm very happy about. Uh, Borderlands 2 has been announced and will be dropping sometime after March 2012. They're looking at possibly releasing this close to PAX Prime, which will be in August 26th to 28th. So look for this definitely coming 
during August period. Hopefully, we'll see it next holiday, even before that. But Borderlands 2 is definitely major news. Uh, I'm very happy to hear about Borderlands 2 because Borderlands 1, I don't know, if you ever got a chance to play it, you definitely need to try it out. It's one of the greatest four-player co-op games out there, and it definitely offers a lot of DLC. It's a lot of fun. So that's all for my gaming news. I don't really have any movie news to go along with this. I don't believe. Have you heard anything on the Smurfs? Sh should I? I don't know. I heard, like, what was it, last week or the week before, it actually tied at the box office for, like, number one against... No, it beat it. it did it, it? It was number one last week. It beat Aliens and Cowboys or Cowboys and Aliens? Yes, it did. Oh, oh. On Twitter, the people were pissed off that. Yes, it beat it. The blue fucking Smurfs beat fucking Cowboys and Aliens at the box office. Uh, yes. What the fuck? The kids uh, fucking yeah, get it. Number again. one comedy in America. No, Crelly, you're you're wrong. Cowboys and last Aliens week. is number one. No, last week it was. No, he's last right. Week, last, I... last week it, it did beat him. What I'm looking at right now says box office for last week is Cowboys and Aliens. What about the week well, before? I, mean, I heard well, I the number one. Week. I heard the number one movie in Canada last week was Smurfs. Same here in England. Uh, weekend gross for last week was thirty-six million for Cowboys and Aliens. For the Smurfs, thirty-five million. You know what would have made that movie even better? If Samuel L. Jackson would have been fucking Gargamel. I'm gonna get me a Smurf, motherfucker. Oh my. Or what if um, Papa Smurf had been uh, Samuel Jackson? No, no, he would he would have been Gargamel. Wouldn't have worked any other can, way. Can we have the Smurf song a, a song tonight? No. <laughs> no. We will not have the Smurfs theme song as the song of the night. I tell you but what, though, Crelly. I, I I tell you what, Crelly. Since it's your childhood on the line, here's what I'm going to do for you. Next week on the program, the news segment will be sponsored by the Smurfs theme music. Sweet. And so while you're doing the news, the Smurfs theme will be playing the whole fucking time. Nice. I'm not happy. In fact, I'll... I'm, I'm happy. Thank you for that. You're the Smurfiest Smurf. Smurf off. You know, I'm looking at these totals uh, for a lot of the movies coming out. Um, Captain America, with only two weeks in, in theaters, has made over 117 million. Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part Two has made 318 million. Transformers: Dark Side of the Moon or Dark of the Moon has made 338 million. Oh yeah, that's a lot of money. Definitely some good paychecks for those people. Yeah, Transformers is actually the highest-grossing film I think of all time. It's actually uh, it's actually in I'll the billions. Profit it, it's in the billions right now for them. Mm, I read I read an out. article, don't quote me on it. Maybe I'll have verified facts on that next week, but the article I read said it's actually making billions as of now. Okay. Definitely curious to see uh, that report, so it should be uh, very interesting to see that one. So, <laughs> I want to talk about the SNS picks 
pay-per-view team competition, whatever we'll call it. Cue the uh, porno last... music. What? Cue the porno music. No. Go ahead. That's not don't walkie, cue, walkie don't cue the walkie advert, please. Mm. Walkie hasn't joined the show yet. I, re I refrained from playing it this week, so it didn't derail the show. Good. As of last week, we, were, we discussed... Last week or the week before, we discussed... Uh, we're adding new people to the teams. Um, of course, the host is going to be are going to be joined by Andy, Charles, and Nim from WWFD. Okay. Um, staff is going to be Randy and El Diablo, El Diablo from WWFD, and also Rick. The listeners team will be joined, and I'm still debating on a third person here. So you gotta got you gotta forgive me, guys. Uh, Bobby Strauss, Andy Roberts, and a third person that I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, you know what? Uh, L Train from the chat room, you're my third person for right now. So I've got to remind everyone that you guys need to get your picks in uh, by Sunday for the Hardcore Justice pay per view. If you guys want to know who's on teams right now for the host, it's Trey. JJ, Dave, Harmony, Shark, Andy, Charles, and Nim. For the staff, it's Trent, Corelli, Bronx, Concept, myself, Randy, El Diablo, and Rick. And then for the listeners, it's Anthony, Mac, Ashley, Acer, ZMG, Bobby Strauss, Andy Roberts, and L Train. So we have eight people for each team. Definitely. Definitely looking forward to what we got for this. And thanks to Brass Eye, I have a a spreadsheet which I should I should be able to do a lot of things easier with. So thanks to Brass Eye, I will actually be racing all scores starting today and we'll be starting brand new fresh with this spreadsheet. So it definitely should help things out a lot better. Wait, what well, we're restarting the the, the uh, team. Why? We're restarting the scores because Brass Eye gave me something to help me get a lot of stuff out. To help me get things figured out a little bit easier. So Did you restart it because we were beating the staff and the staff and the sorry, the uh, hosts and the listeners that bad they couldn't catch us up? Did so you really just go there? Did you really just go there? Yeah, I did. <laughs> wow, dude. You got some ten whole, ten whole points behind us, Diddy. Ten whole points behind us. As I said, we'll be uh, erasing the scores as of today and allowing everyone to have a fresh slate to go on. So, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing who will be Mr. or Mrs. Pay-Per-View as of this coming Sunday. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what some of these picks are. I know I've got a few in already, and I do have to ask, guys... If you're going to enter your picks, I really need them on the um, on the email address because I'm, I'm getting a lot of people putting them on the SNS uh, pay-per-view picks team competition page. I can go through them, but if you put them on there, I really need you to add your chat names. I, I really need to figure out who's who because if I'm going by this new sheet, I'm going to be adding people to it. So do me a favor and add me, add your chat name if you're going to put them on the SNS picks team competition or ask or put them on um put your chat names on the email when you send it to me 
email address is pay-per-view or ppbunplugged at yahoo.com. And for people yeah. asking about my rant, I'm not doing it tonight. I am going to skip it for this week. I just posted my pay-per-view picks in the pick team and made sure they I made sure that that you know it's me, Sean. Yes, I know. By the way, JJ, you made a comment to me this past Monday, and I wanted to ask, and I know I want to ask Crowley the same thing. How do you guys think of my raw uh, recap so far? Good. It's good, except for the fact that I reported that uh, Maurice was in a match when she, in actuality, was not. I got that. I asked uh, the chat room to give me those people. That was the chat room's fault, not mine. I will save you, by the way, because she was advertised. She she was in the graphic, but not in the match. Yeah, so apart from Maurice being in... Yeah, because I believe she was getting hernia. So, so, regarding something to do with hernia, that's why she wasn't on Raw. But yeah, she was advertised, which shows poor production team by WWE not being able to remove someone who's quite obviously not in the match from the graphic. But personally... I find it great, and it also helps us promote Wrestling News Live because people check out Wrestling News, uh, check, check out the results. You you have a link to uh, to uh, SNS, so it helps both ways. So on that note, guys, let's go ahead and open up the phone lines. Uh, let's keep the calls at five minutes. We're going to take a few calls, wrap up with some emails, and get the hell out of here. I've got uh, a ton of things to do tomorrow. My My schedule is about to get a little busier. I'm not going to divulge on what's going on, but uh, things are about to improve a little bit for me financially. We'll just leave it at that. So on that note, let's go and open the phone lines. 501-588-7957 is the number to call. You can send me your emails to unpluggedjj at yahoo.ca, and I'll be sure to get to those. But uh, if you're in the chat, you want to have a toll-free call, hit the Google Me widget, and that's the way we're going to go about things. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump over to the phone lines, and I think we have a caller on the line right now. Welcome to Unplugged. Who's this? Hi, hi. This is Chris Husk. Hey, Chris. What's up? I just wanted to tell JJ that those uh, things he's talking about, the uh, white, the black and white characters. Yeah. The the, the uh, Nick Fury and the... Uh, uh, Nick Fury and Spider-Man thing was from the Ultimate series. Okay. And uh, just so I, just to let them know that that's uh, pretty much where the whole black guy came from. So, well, and that, I just wanted to call in. That's all. Okay, thank you. Bye. All right, Chris. Thanks for the call. Okay. Bye. All right. So there you go. So apparently that's that's part of the Ultimate. See, I didn't know what comic book series it was from. I just know that you know watching the Obviously, the movies that Marvel's made, Nick Fury went from being a white guy. There was a, a, a TV show once. I think they made a made-for-TV movie with Nick Fury, and the person that they got to play Nick Fury in that movie was none other than the Germany's greatest export, David Hasselhoff. The Hoff you know what? was the Fury. I remember seeing that before, and I was kind of like, really, David Hasselhoff? I was cheesy. It really was. It was. Uh, before we... We continue. Uh, Curly, I just want to give you a heads up. I'm adding the link to the story that you asked me about in the Skype chat to your picks on the Facebook page. Sweet. All right, so let's go back to the phone lines. Sponsored, of course, by headlocks 
<clears throat> Welcome to Unplugged. Who's this? What up, man? It's the Pope. Pope, what's up? Uh, not much, man. I no offense, JJ, but I called in to say something to Sean real quick. Okay. What I'm wondering is, with the li- I understand the process on the host team and the staff team, but what I want to know is why instead of adding, add, like I'm not saying anything bad about L Train or any of the other people you added to the s- listener team. Why not put Maze and put Rod on the listener team? Because obviously they both want on the team. They think they can do it better than people. So why not give them what they want and put them on the team? Because I'm just saying, that's what they want. And, I mean, they are two of the best ones in there. They hear every episode of every show. So I would say give them a chance to be on the listener team. Well... I do have a list I'm going through before I add new people. I do have people on a wait list to add, and I can't just skip people on the wait list. Andy Roberts has been on the wait list since about two months after I started. Bobby Strauss has pretty much been there the entire time also. So I've got a wait list before. Rod has been on the teams. We will not go into Mm. We'll not go into why Rod was kicked off the teams, and we'll skip from that. Maze has a possibility of getting on the teams later on when I start doing the switch-offs. When I start doing switch-offs, people will know. That's just how it is. I have a list. I'm going from the list. See, this, this whole list has me confused. And I have, by the way, absolutely nothing but input on this. This was Sean's idea to do a list, but honestly, I don't even understand how it works because... I've literally got my staff, who are all the same people, and my hosts, who are all the same people. And then you're obviously rotating people out on the listener thing. So, again, I'm washing my hands of it. That's between you guys. I have nothing to do with that. I understand the host and the staff team stays the same pretty much because the same people are staying host and the same people are staying, are staying staff. What I'm saying is the listener team should change up every 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 month, so a month or so, every two months, because the listeners are constantly changing, but staff and the hosts are staying the same, which is why their team should stay the same. That's a good point. I mean, maybe what what is the the frequency of turnover, Sean? Every four weeks, every four pay per views, I change over listener teams. It's every four teams that I cha- every four pay per views that I change the listener team. I change three members off of the listener team. That's usually my turnover rate for that. Okay. Should I mean should I I mean changing over every pay per view really adds a lot more stress on to me because then I have to go through this list and start adding people constantly and then having to make sure that they get all their picks in at the same time and then if they don't get their picks in, then I'm missing picks for one person which screws off one team. Well, okay, wow. let, let me let me offer a suggestion. Let, hold on, let me offer a suggestion here. Just so so we can make things a little fair. Let's be let's let's minimize this. I wouldn't say it needs to change every pay-per-view, but there's 12 months in a year, okay? So, why don't we do it in 3-month increments? Every 3 months the listener team changes. Okay. That That's gives you four cycles, right? So you should be able to rotate, and then 
by the time that goes through, once you have all these rotations out every three months, it might make things a lot easier. I mean, that's just, to me, that sounds fair. We can do that. I mean, I've got no problem changing it out every three months. Okay. Anything else on your mind, Pope? Well, they keep telling me to do it, so I'm just going to have to go ahead and do it real quick. Of course, I'm going to plug the WNL clan that's going on on the PlayStation 3 right now. Or as Maze likes to call it, with, I don't know how he's going to, he's calling it the SNS clan now. I'm not going to say what that means, but I'm going to let put two and two together. But, of course, I don't know if you've got it going on the 360 or not yet, but... Still, if you want to be in the WNL clan, archive listener, and anyone, add me on the PlayStation Network. I'm the Angel of D. Or you could add Maze or or, or Mac Daddy, Rod, any of us, Sean, Crelly, Concept, any of us. And don't forget, guys, that the that the excuse me, mind the forums do have a page up there for gaming, and that we have started adding. Gamer tags, uh, PSN tags on there. So guys, go on there and check it out. Add yours, and definitely start adding people so that we can we can start getting stuff going. If you do add me, or you do add JJ, or you add anybody on that list, please let them know who you are. Because if you don't let them know who you are, then we're not going to we're not going to add you. That's just how it goes. May just posted what SNS means in the uh, chat room. And I see Krill is it. How can the end stand for that when I'm white? Uh, doesn't necessarily apply to all black people, now does it? Hey, man, I've always said it can stand for that word can be anybody because it has exactly. a definition. It means ignorant motherfucking. Anybody exactly. can be an ignorant motherfucking, in my opinion. Exactly. And I've known a lot of white people like that. So I feel you there, man. I hear you. All right. All anyway, right, you won't you won't hear me room. say it because it's not politically correct, so I, I won't. And and oh, yeah, I refuse I to care. say that. Yeah, I, I just well, even if you even if you didn't mind, I wouldn't say it anyway. It's not it's not a term that I would use. But all right, man. Well, thanks for the call. All right, man. All right. So with that being said, uh, I tell you what, I might take one or two more calls, and I got some emails. We're getting out of here. Sorry, that one's not stuck in my head. <laughs> you got you got the Smurfs stuck in your head now. I'm telling you, next week that's going to be what your uh, what your music's going to be for the uh, for the news. It might make me a bit more entertaining. Who knows? I mean, that's why I'm making the background. But oh, as yeah. the Smurfs, I mean, that's my childhood bring back to life. So I'm more than happy to have the Smurf playing in the background for my segment. Oh, Don't man. mind. There is there is a freaking. I have to find it maybe for next week. I know I played it before on the show. I don't remember if it was. While the show was here, or if it was on, uh, if it was over at, at the other place, but there was a video clip I brought up one time of this show from Britain, where these damn puppets were saying the dirtiest things I've ever heard in my life. What show was that? They said you'll play with your puppers. It's okay to play with your puppers. You just oh, play it with was anybody else's puppers. You're right. It it was a kids program, but there there are quite a few. Um... Like, older jokes. Oh, what the fuck was it? I can't think of the name of it. That's going to be your homework assignment for next week. I want you to find it. <laughs> or I'll find it, but I want you to remember what it was, because we, we might play that again. That was kind of funny. Because if You're I was right. growing up as a kid in England, I'd be fucked up listening to that shit. <laughs> I mean, I'd be fucked up. 
But anyway, I digress. Let's go back to the phone lines. Sponsored, of course, by HeadlocksToHeadlines.com. Welcome to Unplugged. Who's this? Hey, guys. It's L Train. L Train. What's going on, dude? Hey, not much. Um, well, I don't know what all that uh, puppet stuff was about, man. Uh, talking about that, too. I guess we're, uh, I guess we're swearing. It's okay to play with your papa. As long as nobody else plays with your papa. It's got my banger, my banger, and my papa. Oh. Why does he have a sausage? A sausage in his pocket for. <laughs> I don't a know. Bang of the in the world. I'm totally confused. Anyway, back to the call. L train, what's going on, dude? What in the uh, world? Oh man, Dave, you just thinking. Like, if I was a British kid growing up watching that, I'd be fucked up. Oh, he <laughs> explains Crelly to a T. <laughs> 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 oh, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> You were waiting yeah, for the joke. Really you, you were doing that impact drinking. <laughs> if you were waiting for the punchline, we just hit it, people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, I'm a little bit off of that for now. Um, not calling with any wrestling news since I haven't uh, seen SmackDown yet. Um, let's go a little bit to um, talk about some gaming stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm freaking annoyed as hell that I found out that they were delaying um, Twisted Metal until uh, 2012. I mean, I know... Obviously, when you get a, de- a game delay, it's to you know work on uh, polishing it up a bit more. So I am happy about that if they're going to be improving it. But still, you know, when you get a game that you're really looking forward to and you find out it's pushed back a couple of months, you know, you're always going to be annoyed because this is actually going to be the first Twisted Metal game that I've ever gotten into. So I was really looking forward to that. Twisted Metal was definitely looking like it was going to be good. What I'm waiting for myself was... A destruction derby game like that came out for the PS2 a while back. It was really good. It was driven done by destruction. The... Say again. Was it called Driven to Driven to Destruction? No. It was made. It was made by a really, really well-known racing game company. And Actually, I, I was I was right because that was the British name for it. It had two names. The British name with it was was Driven to Destruction. I will find out what it's called in America. Definitely find out because I'm, I'm waiting for them to come back with that because it was definitely one of my favorite games. That uh, test drive, test yeah. drive, Evil Destruction was what the game was. It was one of the best destruction derby games that came out during its time. The PS2, the the Xbox. I love that game. It actually was one of my favorites. It made me think of uh, Twisted Metal just without the guns. There was a bunch of crashing. For that, they actually did number two for it. And it included buses and shit like that. And the football as well. Was it number one and number two? (laughs) British JD is not very cool right now. Um, Oh. Yeah. Here in England, it was called Driven to Destruction. In America, it was called Test Drive. But I did see that that they are making a new one. You are right. Good, because I really want a second one to that. Yeah, I'm actually familiar with that uh, test drive. I have heard of it. I just haven't uh, played it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to whatever this new release date for Twisted Metal is. So I'm just uh, waiting on that. Um, I guess the only other game that I wanted to talk about is one. Uh, it's, it's a pretty weird one. If anybody follows me on Twitter, they've probably been seeing me uh, uh, give a lot of praise to this game. It's um, Have you heard of this uh, game, Catherine, Sean? <laughs> oh my! Um, 
I have heard of Catherine. I am keeping my hands away from that game. I've heard so <laughs> much about it. Uh, Catherine has to be, from what I've been told, there's been so much wrong with that game. Not in, not in the sense that it's a bad game, but in the sense of how messed up it is. Sean, yeah, by the way, been, uh, been... no, Sean, I was going to say, uh, yeah, it's called Test Over 2 Unlimited. Is the yeah. new release for the game. That was, that was just a test yeah, drive it. game itself. Uh, that wasn't a really a destruction derby game. Yeah, I know. Quite upsetting. Go ahead, but, L-Train, though. You're talking about Catherine. Uh, yeah, for anybody who uh, isn't aware of this game, and heck, I only found out about it like maybe two or three months ago, it's like this, uh, I guess the best way to describe it, it's this sort of erotic adventure puzzle game that is, I would say to put it the nicest way, it's uh, it's kind of a mind fuck. You see some very bizarre shit going on in there. I mean, this is, this has a lot of the, you know, kind of weird Japanese tendencies that I love in seeing games like this. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely unique, especially with some of the um, level design. I mean, I'm a big puzzle. Um, I'm a big puzzle gamer, but I am. There have been so many points when I've been playing this game that I've just been wanting to snap my controller in half because these puzzles in this game are challenging as hell. Um, not not just with the fact of how you've got to work up, but like I was saying with the bosses. Not only are these things freaky as hell, but just with how the difficulty ramps up. This thing will give you a challenge, but um, not just not just with the puzzles. It's got a great story, and for anybody who wants a great challenge out of a game like this and um, is very careful, they don't play this with somebody else in the room, no matter the age. <laughs> I would definitely say go grab it because um, luckily it um, it had some great sales. I guess it was the best um, launch that. Uh, uh, publisher or developer Atlas has ever had. I think it moved like 200,000 copies in the first week, so that's right. props to them. And what was that? It was 200,000. They actually made a cake for it. Um, Joystick has a picture yeah. of the cake, and it's pretty funny because uh, they were talking about it's all in the cake as was the was the tagline for it, and then they showed the cake. It's the Catherine cover. It's 200,000 in the, in the first week for Atlas is great, especially since Atlas has pr- done pretty bad with a lot of their other releases. So I'm great. I'm happy to see Atlas get some sales in because they really needed it. Right. I saw, I saw that picture too with the, uh, with the game cover. So I'm, I'm happy they got the success. Uh, I'm happy with this game, even though I'm pretty frustrated at times. And, um, I'm just, I'm damn near just about done with it. Um, as far as getting to the end and I cannot wait to see just how, how much further this game goes because it's been, it's been freaky enough in every sense of the word, so I can't wait to see how it concludes. Well, Very I know cool. that one. Of, I'm sorry, cut you off, JJ. I know that one of my friends uh, who works at GameStop was talking to me about it. He's actually playing it with his girlfriend. His girlfriend's also playing the game at the same time, and they were talking back and forth about how um, what each other is doing. And I know that supposedly you can have one girlfriend or two girlfriends. And he was telling me that he went with the uh, the Catherine with a K or Catherine with a C or something like that, whichever was the the more slutty version, I guess we'll say. And um, that was Catherine, was, that was Catherine was, with a C. Catherine with a C. And uh, his yeah. girlfriend was actually juggling both girls. 
So it was kind of funny to uh, to hear that when I first heard that. I was kind of like, "What? What game are you playing? What?" <laughs> so it's definitely one of those games where you, if you if you played it, you'll probably be like, "Yeah, you need to go somewhere else. I'm not going to play this in front of you." You know, that's the problem with shit today because I remember back in the day when if I had one or two girlfriends, it was in real life, not on a video game. If, if, if your dating life consists of you playing a game online where you hook up with two chicks, you might have a social problem. Just yeah. say it. I want to go on record. I bought the game for the story. I want to go on record with that. Okay. And we accept that. I, I know you've got a busy life, man. You're out there taking bumps, man. I I respect that. Uh, thank you, man. I mean, dang, I'm, shoot, I'm trying to get some more work out here so I can pay for more of that, man. i got to get back out to that ring. I miss it. I know, man. It, it, you know what? It, it's it's a hard life to live when you start taking bumps pretty regularly, but when you're not doing it anymore, you do kind of miss it. It's always in your blood. Oh, yeah. I'm right there with yeah, you. Exactly. All right, L-Train, th- thanks for the call, brother. Anything else before I let you go? No, that's pretty much it, man. Um, I'm going to go ahead and depart back to the chat room. Uh, you guys have a good rest of the night, man. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Later, Train. All right, peace. All right, let's go back to the phone lines for our final two phone calls who actually are on the line now, but let's go ahead and uh, go with Ashley first. Ashley, what's going on? Uh, doing good. Kind of exhausted this shortness, but... You, you, you sound like you're very dejected, reasons. man. You, you well, sound, I went you sound to... tired, you know, like, like you've had a bad day. No, just a long day. Okay. Um, finally, the they've decided to release in the UK Super 8 after being out in America for seven weeks. Yeah, how is that? And, god damn. Now I know how all the school kids felt in the 70s when they first watched E.T. and Close Encounters. <laughs> it was just brilliant. The crazy thing is, because the whole premise is it's that they're filming this movie and then this train crash happens and something happens on the train. The clue might be in comparing it to E.T. and Close Encounters of what's in the train. But anyway, right at the end of the movie, they actually have the Super 8 movie and it kind of harkens back to all those dodgy B movies that were like back in the day with really stupid jump cuts and like script, you know, script writing like... Oh, God, we had a hard time in Nam. I don't want to talk about it. Cut dun, to next dun, scene. Dun. No, but cut to next scene, just, like, immediately. Oh. And then right at the end, the guy sat there in a suit as if he's like Alfred Hitchcock saying, you're going to make this film win the competition. It's just brilliant. Wow. I like that. Um, I want to see more. I'm actually going to see it again, I think, because I was that impressed. I don't know whether Crowley wants to see it. Yeah, I think he left. <laughs> I fell asleep. Something I want to do too. Yeah, so, uh, oh, so by the way, you, I'm also, still here. Um, playing with his twanger. What you said about Transformers is right. I found this week it did pass the billion mark. Yeah, I remember right. reading that. It, it's totally past the billion mark. Alongside Harry Potter and the biggest selling movie of the year so far, Pirates 4. Harry Potter, or was it Harry Pothead and the Sorcerer Stoned? Harry Pothead and the Shameless Parody. There you go. And then, of course, the unnecessary sequel. There you go. Um, Just a little plug out to, I guess, the live listeners, because I think by the time this may be up on the archive, it 
maybe finished, but there's a charity gaming thing going on. They're raising money for the Organization for Autism Research, and it's happening on www.speeddemosarchive.com. So they're actually um, going forward with it? Yeah. Last I heard, they weren't going to do it, so... No, it, it started up about 2 p.m. Eastern yesterday, and it's been going on since. They've already raised over $10,000, but, you know, and if you give guys, it'd be uh, brilliant. Also, there is a kind of sweetener to the deal. If you donate $10 or over at any point during the marathon, you get entered into the draw at the end where you could win Ocarina of Time 3DS and the 3DS to play on it. Hmm. Well, don't forget so that if you don't own a 3DS, just throwing that out there, if you don't own a 3DS, it's going to $170 uh, here in a few weeks, uh, August 17th, I believe. And then also uh, Walmart is going to be selling it early on for $170. So if you can't win that contest, go try for uh, go buy one because it's going to get cheap kind of quick. Yeah, if you can't win it, wait a week, then get it cheaper. That's right. Very cool. Well, uh, Ashley, thanks for the call, man. No worries. See you guys. We'll talk to you later. I was just gonna I was gonna comment too that my favorite uh, Harry Pothead movie had to be Harry Pothead in the Order of Trent Phoenix. Oh, that was a good one. Oh my. So let's go back to the phone lines. And uh, pick up our last call of the night. And I believe uh, we have the very, very energetic Don Bronx on the line. He's trying to pass coffee on, off to me. <laughs> have some yeah. Zika. Well, uh, th- this is my last week on the SNS Radio Network because uh, next week the Don Bronx character will be replaced by Morgan Freeman. So, <laughs> awesome! I can't wait for that. JJ, but, uh, it's Morgan Freeman. I'm Don Bronx. <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask you, um, who sees Cena going over at SummerSlam? I mean, I, I'm, I've already got the knife ready. I plan to commit suicide that night if it happens. But, I mean, I just see it. And, and now I'm hearing, I don't know if, I can't remember if it was Crelly that pers- uh, posted it first that said uh, he's going to put over Triple H, uh, CM Punk. What the fuck? You know, I, I'm not putting a lot of stock into that. I'm sorry. If if your grand scheme, and, and I know that Triple H, and I said this on Facebook, I know that Triple H gets the knock for holding wrestlers down, but at the same time, you can make that you can make that argument all you want. At the same time, you have to look at the guys that he's put over. You know, Triple H has, has helped put a lot of guys over in this business. Uh, did he hold some down? Probably. Did the ones he hold down... Were they talented enough to go to that next level? Debatable. Uh, at the same time, when I hear the rumor that CM Punk's going to be fodder for Triple H, honestly, with Triple H taking over this new role on TV where he's, quote-unquote, the kayfabe owner of the WWE now, he's taken Vince's spot, he's the man. CM Punk right now is the hottest commodity in the company. To do anything that would quell that would be idiotic. But at the same time... If you really want to do something with CM Punk, then you turn him anti-establishment, much like they did Stone Cold Steve Austin, where he went from being a heel to a face in the course of a match. And you have him feud with Triple H. Is Triple H going to get the better of him sometimes? Absolutely he will. Absolutely he will. Because you saw Vince McMahon go over 
Stone Cold Steve Austin a couple of times. Didn't mean Austin was buried. I think that people are kind of jumping the gun a little bit. They're hearing this, and they're speculating, oh, my God, oh, my, here we go again. Triple H going to bury this guy. Oh, fuck. I mean, give it time. You know, if I'm wrong, I will come out on the show and, and eat my words. But I think it would be stupid to bury CM Punk to Triple H. If they have a match and Triple H wins, doesn't mean CM Punk's buried. It means it continues. It's part of a feud. I just think that people are, are going off the deep end on it. I really do. As far as Cena and, and CM Punk at SummerSlam, I don't know. Right now it's a 50-50 proposition. I think it would be a mistake to leave that belt on John Cena. But at the same time, if you want to put the belt on Rey Mysterio, you know, do you have him beat John Cena the night after SummerSlam? I'm okay with that because I think Rey got fucked. Of all the people that got fucked, Ray got fucked. You know, and then you, you set up fodder for for Alberto Del Rio to have his title run against a guy like uh, Rey Mysterio. I mean, right now there's a lot of top names on the Raw roster, and they're feuding over one belt. So think about that for a second. I don't know where it's going to go. Do I want to see Cena win at SummerSlam? Absolutely not. I don't. I want to see CM Punk reign as champion for a little while. Will we get it? I don't know. But either way, I think CM Punk's going to come out strong. No, no, I'm not one of those guys who, who believes that shit about Triple H. In fact, I could see Triple H gladly putting Punk over. I mean, I'm just, when I said what the fuck, I mean what the fuck, what, you know, what people are thinking. I mean, I could see that. I could really see a, a reignition of the McMahon-Austin feud doing it with Triple H and CM Punk. I mean, if they do it right, I, I don't think Triple H would have a problem at all putting Punk over. And, you know, like you said, uh, you know, Triple uh, Punk even putting Triple H over in a match or not even in a match, but just as far as, you know, in a storyline, you know, seeing Triple H mess with, with Punk via his power and see Punk, you know, pull an Austin and just mess with Triple H whenever he can. You know, no, not at all. I, I'm one of those people who believe Triple H. I think Triple H has a big problem putting over people that he doesn't think, you know, should be put over and... I respect Triple H's judgment. I think he's got a good head for the business. And if he won't put you over, there's probably a good reason for it. I'm just saying that, you know, that rumor is kind of like, you know, again, like you said, people saying, oh, you know, Triple H, uh, you know, he, he, he ruined everyone's career and this and that. No, no, I, I think that's total bullshit. I think Triple H's a stand-up guy and he'll do what's good for that company because he knows that company's, future is his future and his family's future and his kids future so i think he's going to do what's right for the business i'm just you know my main thing is i'm like i've gotten to the point where it's a psychological problem with me i'm tired of cena i i just i mean in real life i respect him but i can't even bear to look at him on tv anymore it's just he sickens me to the point where i'm ready to vomit i just want them to Take it in a whole other direction. You know what? Give Cena six months off just so you can do other shit and make it interesting. I was there several years ago with John Cena. In fact, uh, when I was still a part of WTR, I actually, I think it was 2007. Yeah, it was, well, it, I guess it was, go, it was 2006 when I said it. I said if Cena went into WrestleMania, the champion, it was 2008. Yeah, it was. I said if Cena went into WrestleMania as the champion, I was going to give up watching. I was done. I wasn't going to do radio shows anymore. I was done. 
and that didn't happen. So I guess I caught a lucky break, but I have hated Cena for years. I respect what he does outside of the ring. It's fine. I respect he's a company guy, but we're, we're approaching a decade with him on top. Every WrestleMania involved in a title match. Nobody else can say that. Hulk Hogan never had 10 straight WrestleManias where he was the champion or wrestled for the belt. I just think that it's overkill with him. I don't think that as much as they want him to be that character, and I think Rock nails it in all the promos that he's done, he appeals to the fucking children. He appeals to the two- to five-year-olds. You know, they love him. The little kids think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, and for every person that replies on Facebook and says something to me about, well, they need to turn Cena Hill. <laughs> that is the most asinine thing I've ever heard. No offense to your opinions, but what would you do with John Cena Hill? I made a perfect analogy on the SNS Facebook page. Turning Cena Hill would be like turning Superman evil with no Justice League or no superheroes to stand in his way. He's basically run roughshod over every superstar in that company for about the last 10 years. So what's the end game for him to turn heel? Who is there to stand against him? Who's going to stop him if, as a face, he ran over everybody? Everybody brings up the Hulk Hogan analogy. Oh, well, Hulk Hogan turned heel. Look what it did for his career. Hulk Hogan was an old man, and he hid behind Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and the rest of the NWO. Who the hell is John Cena going to hide behind? Would you buy him as a fucking cowardly heel? I mean, let's be logical for a second. I mean, let's not even think about the merchandise. What would you do with John Cena to make him a heel? How would that even work? It's just not feasible and possible at this point in time. There's no baby face to take his place right now. And it would be stupid to turn the guy that's been your children's role model for the last five or six years into a heel. It's just, it's asinine. I'm sorry, that's just my feelings on it. Well, I mean, you make a great point there. You know, I haven't really thought of that. You know, when I think about Hogan turning heel, not just him hiding behind Hall and Nash, but you have to think about this. When Hogan turned heel, he was our hero. He was the adult hero. You know, we could have kind of saw it. I mean, bottom line, I loved Hogan when he turned heel. That's when I really became a Hogan fan. But the, the problem with it is the, the people who are Cena fans now aren't going to understand that turn. An older wrestling fan who, you know, like you said, Hogan was an older wrestler, so the guys who knew about him were older like us. So when he turned heel, we understood the psychology. But as you just brought up, a three- to five-year-old isn't going to understand that psychology. It's, it's, I mean, it's going to break their hearts, and there's no payoff in the end because the WWE hasn't built a – I mean, look, you've got – who do you have? You've got, like you said, you have uh, Randy Orton – who I still think was better as a heel. I mean, I, I, see, I see him as a baby face, but I think he was better as a heel. I mean, Sheamus, he's not there yet. He, he, I think he can be a great baby face, but it's going to take time. The Miz can be a great baby face, but it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. You could conceivably turn Cena heel in the future if you can build up a secondary baby face who gets almost to his level. And they sure as shit haven't done that yet. True that. I just read in the chat room. Boom says he's a great role model in the grand scheme of things for kids. He goes, wait, I'm, or she says, wait, I'm not two to five like Cena. Oh, wait, I'm a girl. Yes, you are, baby. Yeah, but you, you and Harmony have kids who, who love John Cena. So yes, for you yes. guys, it, it, it's, it's, it's a little harder. You know, I understand where she's coming from. You don't want to see, 
you know, your, your, your four-year-old daughter's heartbroken if he turns heel. And that's the thing. When Hogan turned heel, it didn't break little kids' hearts. If Cena turns heel, it's going to. So I kind of think that, that that's not going to happen. I think he just needs time off. I mean, look, again, I'm not, and I'll just say this and then I'll go. I'm not saying that I hate John Cena the person. I, I mean, I got a lot of respect. I've seen some of the make-a-wish stuff he's done. God bless him. He's a great guy. And he's, in the, at the end of the day, he's only doing what, you know, the company told him to do. I mean, you know, if tomorrow morning you get a call at your house, JJ, and Vince says, you know, I want to bring you into my company and make you as big as John Cena. Are you going to turn that down? Hell no. You know, it's just that let the guy rest. Let him rest his injuries. And in the meantime, you can bring up some other guys and then when you bring Cena back it makes it all you know all the more relevant I just think that you know I don't know if it's a merchandise but I mean you know I don't know what it is I just think that it, it's time for Cena to take a break not go away but at least take a break to allow you to build up some backup stars yeah you know and, and Harmony brings up a good point too you know first of all Lexi who's four would be completely devastated her heart would be broken she wouldn't know what to do. I'd have to console her. Uh, you know, she'd be inconsolable. But even worse than her would be my 10-year-old Sienna, who would, would literally stop watching wrestling. Like, that would just that'd be it for her. She couldn't watch it anymore because John Cena would have turned into that bad guy. I don't know that she would have clambered onto Randy Orton or she'd get, you know, she'd be on to this person or this person. I mean, that's, that's her guy. She loves John Cena. She got the wristbands. She's got the T-shirt, the big purple, you know, dinosaur Barney T-shirt. You know, she eats her fruity pebbles. You know, she, she gets in your face and does the you can't see me. Her life would be shattered if John Cena turned heel. So, you know, Boom says she'd fear for her safety. Absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's just you, you, you can't do that to a small child. I mean, like I said, Hogan was different. He was past his prime. He was in a company that was trying to find some way to compete, uh, you know, and, and basically beat the other company in the ratings war. And they came up with this concept of let's turn the ultimate face into a heel. And it worked, but it also worked because he could play that cowardly heel. And make no mistake about it, Hulk Hogan was absolutely a cowardly heel. He hid behind the entire NWO. He participated in beatdowns every opportunity he got. He never won a match fairly. So to say the same thing with John Cena that you could with Hulk Hogan to me is, is an oxymoron. It just, it's stupid. It, it can't happen and it won't happen. I was surprised at the, pic, you know, the picture that Cena took. I, I don't know, you know what he was thinking or if that picture was fake and it wasn't him. But I mean, showing basically everything cutting short of the package was kind of not a good idea. I mean, what, what, you know, like the hurricane would say, what's up with that? Well, I, I'm sure that in the grand scheme of things, his Twitter was hacked. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, that's everybody. Hell, even Trey's using that excuse now. So, you know, I mean, obviously, that is the, that is the proper yeah. thing to do these days. If something ends up on your Twitter or your Facebook, the best thing you can do is come back and say, ah, oh, my account was hacked. That's just the way it goes. Whether it was him or not, I don't care. At the end of the day, it's not my business. But if it was him, it was pretty stupid. Maybe it was something he was sending to his wife and, you know, it got, I, 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 I don't even know anymore. You know, the internet has made life so complicated. You know, I'm thinking of going back to smoke signals. But anyway, JJ, glad to hear you. I uh, hope, really hope that 
that there is a Sunday night showdown this Sunday. Uh, I won't be a part of it, brother, if there is. I won't be there. So if there is, uh, like I said, it's going to be in the hands of Internet Dave as the producer. Oh, God. Which which scares me to no end. Uh, Who the hell is that? But, uh, you know, hopefully he can get everything together. And and maybe I might see if I can find an outside source to come in and kind of help. But I will not in any way, shape, fashion, or form be on the SNS TNA show. Not at all. Period. Well, the the last thing, I've been listening to Wrestle Talk Radio, and you, the Shark, Harmony, you guys were absolute fucking pigs, and I love it. I just love it. I mean, we go from, you know, having sex toys in the closet to pudding, licking, and some of the shit the Shark said I won't even repeat to everyone out there, JJ's posted it on his Facebook. Check out these classic WTR episodes. You'll laugh. You'll cry. Uh, you'll wonder why you don't poke your ears out. But it was some great shit, man. I, I really am enjoying it. Good shit, man. Now, I, I will say this. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry to lose my voice. I will say this as it pertains to that. I mean, it was definitely a different era of, uh, of WTR back in the day when we were part of it. And... I do have a couple more shows I need to upload. The The last one I'm going to upload is the final show that me and Harmony did. We actually ended up leaving. Uh, we, we quit on the air that night. But uh, it, it, it's it's a controversial show, and a lot of people thought I was an asshole for it. So, um, you know, you could take whatever opinion you want coming out of it. But uh, at, at the end of the day, I made a move that I thought I needed to do, and, you know, I doubt things would be the way they were if I would have stayed. So I'll just leave it at that. But that'll be up within the next couple of days. I'll have that uploaded for you guys. Well, you are an asshole. I mean, that's why everybody loves you. But, I mean, did, did you guys do a, a, a show after uh, the Benoit tragedy? And is it available? I mean, I'd just love to hear. I, I would love to hear your take and Wrestling News Live's take. There's so many archives that are missing that I'd love for someone to find out there, man. It's a shame. I, you know what? I think that show's lost along with the Wind Worlds Collide 2, uh, yeah. which, which, by the way, was my idea for both of those. It was my birthday weekend, and I came up with the fantastic idea of going to Arkansas to visit my family and friends because I had just moved to Oklahoma uh, like the year before. In November of 2004, I left Arkansas and went to Oklahoma and was there for uh, you know about a year and a half, two years before I moved to Canada. And... It was around my birthday, and I came up with this idea. I called Trey, and I said, why don't, since I'm going to Arkansas, on my way back, instead of going the other way, I go to Springfield, and we do this show at your house with WTR and WNL, and we cover the pay-per-view. And he liked the idea, and that's where the whole thing spawned from. So, I know that I've been accused of stealing WTR's ideas, which I find ludicrous, because I helped found WTR. I was one of the original show hosts and owners of the fucking, you know, show. I mean, that was started by myself, Tim Stein, and, and Dave Thomas, who used to be on the air as Dr. William Maybrick. So for anybody to ever sit there and say that I stole my ideas from WTR is the biggest farce in the fucking world. You know, you look at Sunday Night Showdown, and the only thing missing from Sunday Night Showdown is the name WTR. Because a lot of the same people that were on that, that show are on this network. 
And let me just say, man, you know, I, I, I was a Bad News Brown fan, but I never got to know him that well. But here in that archive, man, you know, God bless uh, Bad News Allen. He, 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 was, he was really cool on that archive. He sounded like he had a good time. And I'm glad that you guys got to, you know, spend time with him before his passing. It was, it was a, that's thus far as my, the fate, my favorite WTR. That was really cool. Well, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Like I said, uh, I've got a couple episodes. I'll upload them. And, you know, by, by all means, I don't want you guys to think that, you know, I'm ripping on the current cast of WTR. It's a different show. And, you know, you guys are more than welcome to check it out for yourselves. You know, they're at wildtalkradio.com. You know, obviously, part of the reason I posted those was to, for you guys to see where I came from and to see where we've, we've gone. And, you know, at no means do I, I intend to throw jabs at anybody. I have no issues with Tim or really anybody else. But Tim is the only remaining member of WTR that was there when I was there. So, you know, we'll just we'll leave it at that. Okay, cool, man. I'll look forward to seeing more postings. Like I said, I you know, I don't take it that way at all. I just think it's classic shit and I like it. I, I I'm a person who stays out of politics. I could give less than a fuck. If I'm entertained, I'm entertained. But you have a good night, JJ, Sean, get some fucking sleep. Crelly, you got college coming up. You get some fucking sleep. Everyone gets some sleep. Good night, everybody. All right. With that being said, uh, I was about to hit emails, but uh, I've got a, a smoking phone call coming in from uh, the host of the Causecast, Charles Shane. What's going on? What's going on? No, I was just listening and wanted to chime in on the uh, John Cena-Hogan thing, people comparing them and stuff like that. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, you can compare them in some ways, but, I mean, I have to go with the way that you were talking a little bit ago where – they can't. I mean, it makes sense to people like us, grown adults now. We all grew up watching Hogan. It made sense to us when Hogan turned heel. It wasn't that big of a deal because he, truthfully, in all honesty, didn't at that time didn't have the huge following that he had back in the day, and like John Cena has now. I mean, yeah, he's always going to be Hogan, but it made sense at that time. That would be like if Hulk Hogan, if John Cena turned heel now, it'd be like Hulk Hogan turning heel after he lost the title at WrestleMania six to the Warrior. Yeah. It just wouldn't make sense on. It wouldn't make sense to anybody that was a Hogan fan back then. And truthfully, back then I was more of a Warrior fan, so I wouldn't have cared. But, but yeah, I mean, it wouldn't make sense uh, for their viewership right now. That'd be, I mean, as much as I would like to see John Cena turn heel, it, I think it'd be awesome. I mean, like I didn't give a crap about our truth until our truth actually became a heel. His gimmick to me now is awesome and entertaining every single week. Like John Cena's gimmick, never liked it and never will. When he first came in and he wrestled a good match against Kurt Angle, which I'm sure had a lot to do with Kurt Angle. I mean, it's Kurt Angle, but yeah, I actually was interested then. But once he started the whole rap hip-hop thing, I didn't care one bit and still don't. Even though he's laid off that somewhat. Well, you know, I'll be honest. I thought he was funny as the rapper. What really got my goat was when he started being the Marine. When they were promoting the movie The Marine, and JR was like, Ugh. he's the Marine. And it used to just piss me off to no end. <laughs> because, hey, look, I grew up in a military family. My dad was in the Air Force for 20 fucking years. My dad went through fucking boot camp. My dad fucking survived boot camp. My dad made a career of it. You got some jackass who thinks he's a fucking Marine who they actually showed him going to boot camp for a day and he couldn't even fucking hang with the guys that were going through boot camp. But yet... It's cool for him to be called the Marine on TV. For him to come out and he, do a fucking salute. It used to piss me off to no end. He's never been in the service whatsoever anywhere, right? No. See, that's the thing that I mean, I don't 
you know, claim to be known about wrestling as personalized. I usually try to stay out of that because I enjoy wrestling more when I don't involve myself too much in learning about that stuff. But that's what I don't get. I mean, I understand, yeah, it's supposed to be like – some people say it's supposed to be like he's saluting the troops. But when he goes out there and actually acts like he's a service person, dude, you're not. And to me, that would be a slap in the face because, like you said, he couldn't hang with them. Show your respect you know, and everything else, but don't act like you, you can hang with what they're doing. I work on a Marine Corps base. I've said this a lot a lot before. And a lot of guys, when, when the f- movie first came out, they were asking for it left and right. And when they were You were in the back, Marines? I work on a Marine Corps base. Oh, I was going to say, if you if we have you protecting us, we're all going to hell. <laughs> yeah, you know what, Charles? Sorry, I was going to suck a dick. Um, hey, man, but, there ain't no sequels anyway, sh- in the Army. Done. I'm done with you. Um, but anytime they brought... <laughs> The uh, the movie back, they always looked at me and says, "What is this piece of shit? Why did why did why did I check this out?" And I was like, "You wanted to watch it? I could have told you the moment you checked it out that it was one of the worst movies you're ever going to watch." And I mean, guys were checking out left and right, and we even showed it as a movie night for the library, and nobody showed up to it. So I mean, once this movie came out, it was hot on the Marine Corps base, but after people started watching it, they were just like, "This is this is shit." So. Was he looking at the movie then, or was he looking at you? Charles, Damn. shut the fuck up. So, <laughs> so Charles, uh, re- really quickly before you, before we run out of here, uh, <laughs> you and I, you and I talked a little bit today. You got anything that you want to announce to the peoples? No, I heard you earlier. You, I mean, you told me we're bringing the show back uh, Tuesday, eleven so. p.m. Eastern. Eleven Eastern, yes. A low, over at the Cause website, Cause.ws. Yeah, it should be awesome. We're going to change a few things up. It's going to be a little different. Uh, I think it should be awesome, though. I think people will enjoy it. And like I, mean, I told everybody, we're going to be archiving it here as well, but it's yeah. going to be over at Cause. I'm sure it'll still be the same craziness that they, they're used to listening to. Just a little different. But other than that, yeah, it should be the same crazy stuff that people come to expect. Now, I, I did want to remind you, Sean is going to, going to be on you about this, but you have to submit your picks in for the pay-per-view game. So for the Yeah, I heard you talking about that earlier. Where do I submit them? What's the email, Sean? I was actually thinking about that earlier today. Actually, while you guys are doing the show and talking about it, I was thinking about who I was going to pick. Um, you can either send it to paper, ppvunplugged at yahoo.com, or you can put them at the SNS Picks page on, on uh, Facebook. Uh, if you hit me up in the SNS Facebook page, I'll um, give you the link to the SNS Picks pay-per-view Picks page. Oh, don't tell me, boy. I like to hit you. <laughs> well on that note uh, I've got an email to read and then we're going to get the hell out of here guys we're running along tonight and the wife is tapping the foot so that is never a good thing she's nice in chat but uh, I can hear the foot from, from down here in the studio the palatial studio here at Casa de la Sexe so with that being said let's go ahead and talk a little emails hello everybody Sorry, I'm a little nervous. I've always really wanted to do this. I have received an email. All right, this email comes to us from Gary Murray, who is Mr. Murray666 from the chat. Uh, Basically, he says, hey, JJ and Crelly, just a quick question. I've been listening to the show now for over a year, and JJ, you've said a number of times I used to work for Stampede Wrestling in Canada, as well as a number of other promotions. Well, I just wanted to know why you're still not involved with managing or commentating anymore. 
Or is this a stupid question considering you have your own network and simply just don't have the time? Laugh out loud. Uh, Good question. Actually, I'll be real honest with you. I started working in professional wrestling. I was actually trained back in 1998 by a guy named Lynn Johnson uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And he was a local wrestling celebrity known as the Mad Chef, which is why I'm always, and Charles knows this, where I'm always bitching at THQ to put chef attire in the creator wrestler. And I was told that this time it was going to be in there. It remains to be seen. Um, Anyway, he was the guy that taught me how to wrestle. I did it briefly. I only had one or two matches, and they were were shitty. Uh, I'll be real honest. I was not the best wrestler in the world. Uh, You know, I had all the heart that you could muster, but as far as, uh, you know, I wasn't in the best shape to to be a wrestler. I mean, I, I had the gift of gab, but I couldn't string matches together very well. I was slow. Uh, it just it wasn't for me, and I had a match with a friend of mine, a hardcore match, and I ended up getting uh, concussed with a stop sign because I didn't know how to stop it from you know busting the shit out of my head, and he put all his weight on it, so he he really amplified the blow basically. Um, in fact, I remember being hit with the stop sign, blacking out. I thought my skull was crushed. And when I woke up, I was literally in a figure four leg lock. And that's all I remember. And then we we finished the match and we were pretty much done. Uh, Shortly thereafter, and I was married before Boom. And so I was with my my wife at the time, who was uh, someone I met after high school. And she was not very supportive of me, you know, following a wrestling dream. So... I got out of doing matches, uh, kind of cooled it down for a little bit. I still went to practices and hung out with the guys because it was fun, and I enjoyed it. It was a camaraderie. And then about six months later, uh, Lynn and a couple other people decided that they were going to have their own promotion, and they had a, a, a basically someone who could sponsor them. So they came up with the name of a promotion called Capital City Wrestling. And this was like in 19, I think, ni- late 1998, maybe 1999 and for capital city wrestling i ended up he he talked me into doing the ring announcing for the shows so that promotion didn't last but maybe six months we did probably six shows in different towns here or there and unfortunately between lynn and two other guys who were running the thing egos started to clash and before you know it that promotion went down under so um I stopped doing it there. Another friend of mine had a promotion that was just, you know, a little thing. And I ended up going from being the ring announcer to managing Lynn, who was wrestling under a different gimmick. He wrestled twice. He'd wrestle as the chef. And then he'd go out as another character called the spoiler under a mask. So I would, I would manage the spoiler. And that's when I really started to get into, you know, cutting some really good heel promos. Um, that was the first time anybody told me that, man, you, you're a good talker. You need to do this. And so I did that for a little bit. I worked a couple various promotions throughout. I moved to Oklahoma, and immediately I was doing WTR at that point. And I positioned myself to go to NWA Oklahoma, which then later changed its name to NWA Universal. And I got a tryout with them as the ring announcer. I did that for a little bit. And when I left NWA Oklahoma in 2006, uh, my job title was actually talent relations. I was doing like the the media interviews 
for like the radio stations and stuff with the talent. So I was doing that and color commentary on the DVDs. And Trey and I got to do uh, at least one show before I moved here to, to Canada. When I moved to Canada, I got involved with Stampede Wrestling as part of the uh, commentary team along with, with Tim Stein. And, of course, Harry wasn't there. He would already signed with the company. But TJ and Natty were still uh, working for Stampede Wrestling, as was Jinder Mahal, who wrestled as uh, Tiger Raj Singh. I did that for a little bit. In between doing the, uh, the commentary, I was asked to do ring announcing for them several times. Did that. The company folded for a bit, came back, I guess, about six, seven, eight months later. And upon that, I was uh, allowed to actually go into what I wanted to do, and that was be a heel manager. And I did that for about, I don't know, six, seven months before they finally folded the last time with Stampede. And in my tenure as the manager, my first night as the heel manager, I basically helped Chris Steele win the North American Heavyweight Championship, which is the highest title that you had in Stampede Wrestling. And we had a good run with me being the mouthpiece for the champ, a lot of good promos, a lot of good stuff. And the last show that we did for Stampede Wrestling, I managed both Chris Steele and Pistol Pete Wilson to the uh, vacated tag team titles. And so that was the last show that we did. And so I guess you could say that my run in Stampede Wrestling I was a manager of champions because I managed the North American champion and I managed the tag team champions. So from my first night with the company as a heel manager, I helped the guy win the belt. And my last night with the company, they won the belt. So I guess I was effective. And that's, that's pretty much all the tenure I've done. I mean, I've worked spot shows for PWA a couple times. I've done stuff with Devin uh, Nicholson where he was doing uh, the Bad News Allen show, which was a, a memorial. I was the ring announcer for that show. Uh, I worked a couple other shows for him when he wasn't around, uh, whether I was working the gorilla position or helping backstage or ring announcing. You name it, I've pretty much done it in this business. I've even helped book matches or given my input on booking the matches. So I think I've pretty much well-rounded in the wrestling business. But that's, that's my history, Gary. So let's see. Is there any other emails? Hopefully that answered your question. Oh, my, uh, my <laughs> long-winded diatribe. Next up, we have an email from DJ. JJ, I was listening to your rant about Nick Fury, and I couldn't agree with you more. They don't need to change him from a white to black guy. From the cartoon to the movie is pretty lame. So here is the worldwide totals for the movies. Pirates 4, uh, looks like it's 1,036,723,861. Transformers 3, 1,016,481,852. Harry Potter 2, 1,043,841,014. So there you go. So Pirates is uh, right now in the lead. Or no, Harry Potter 2 is in the lead. Excuse me. Harry Potter is the worldwide leader as of right now. Let's do the domestic so far with Transformers and Harry Potter. Transformers 3, 341 million. Harry Potter Part 2, 330 million. So these are the updated decor stats. Uh, they have leaked photos of Anne Hathaway in the Batman 3 Catwoman suit looking pretty good. Also, Planet of the Apes opened today at $14 million and leading to a $37 million opening change-up. Opened low at $4 million, heading to $12 million opening pretty weak. Thanks for the great interview. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So that is going to do it for the emails tonight, guys. So cool. You guys still with me or are you dead?
I'm here. I'm still here. Okay. I'm alive. Uh, just everybody was quiet. So, so anyway, I want to thank everybody for uh, for stopping by tonight and joining us for uh, a fantastic interview with both Nick and Matt, the Young Bucks. I uh, I'm glad that they showed up tonight because honestly, uh, you know, I I was I was looking forward to talking with them. I didn't think that we'd go as long as we did, but uh, they had a lot to say. They were very candid. So. With that being said, I want to go ahead and uh, get ready to close things out on this uh, extremely long edition of Unplugged. So as the song plays in the background, just want to say on behalf of, uh, of course, Charles Shane, Cause.ws, the show is back as of next Tuesday. And uh, guys, we're going to be over at Cause.ws at 11 p.m. Eastern. So definitely check that out. We're going to have a new chat, new player, and it will be archived here on the SNS Radio Network. Um, also, we should have a couple episodes this weekend for you to download of What Would Fans Do? Of course, with El Diablo Ramirez, Randy McWilliams, and of course, the Nemesis. Also, expect on Sunday another episode of the Elite Force podcast. The latest is actually up today. So check that out. The midweek edition with Chuck W. is up. Uh, but Walkie and Mindwipe should be back this weekend. Also, look for another episode of Beyond the Bell in the coming days. Of course, with ring announcer Sean Beckerman. On Sunday, we're trying to make this happen. Sunday Night Showdown will return, hopefully, to cover the Hardcore Justice pay-per-view with the Trey Dog, Mark the Shark DiCarlo, and, of course, producing Internet Dave. So stay tuned to that. If the show's not going to happen, you'll know by tomorrow night. I promise. Who's Internet Dave? I'm still trying to figure that out. Still trying to figure that one out. But uh, don't forget, Monday night, Wrestling News Live, myself and the Trey Dog return for another night of hard-hitting action as we talk Monday Night Raw, News of the Week. And uh, we do have almost an hour-long interview with uh, indie promoter and, of course, pro wrestler Devin Hannibal Nicholson. You know him because he's basically embroiled in a $6.5 million lawsuit against Abdullah the Butcher for allegedly getting Hep C from Abdullah. So stay tuned for that. Again, going to be a big show on Monday. Looking forward to seeing you guys in chat. And with that being said, that's going to do it. I think Andy Knowles is going to be back next week for another edition of the Pro Wrestling Rewind on Wednesday night. And I don't know what's in the works, but I hear he's got something big. So uh, stay tuned to that. And, of course, next Friday on Unplugged, you heard it here, Shane Helms joining the broadcast with myself and Crelly, and then Mr. Saturday Night Michael Berry is going to be talking with us as well. So it's going to be a packed show next week right here on Unplugged. With that being said, on behalf of Charles Shane of Cause.ws, on behalf of the fucking foreign kid, Chris Kelly of HeadlocksToHeadlines.com, and on behalf of the sensational sequel, you know him as Sean. I'm JJ Sexay. And guys, you've just been Unplugged. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. U4L, Unplugged for life. Smurfs for life. Fear the beard. And I do have a special song of the night for you. This is a classic where I'm from. And uh, you're probably going to think, who the hell is this? Well, it's Arsenio Hall. Think outside the box. That's what she said. You're so damn lazy. Why don't you get up and do something? You lie around the house so much, I should have just married a rug. Nothing for me, don't do nothing for yourself. You too lazy to even make love. I ain't had none in a month. 
album large and in charge that's arsenio hall 
better known as Chunky A, with the hoe is lazy. Good night, everybody. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you, I'm out.